Hello and welcome to another episode of Hilo. I'm your host, James Pumphrey, and I'm joined, as always, by Nolan Sykes. Hi there. And whatever the other names of the donut <laughs> media people remember. are. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thanks. I'll be, I'll be somebody that you don't remember the name of. Uh, well, yeah. Remember your name, though, Tom. Zach Joe. So that's, that's who you can be. Zach Joe. There you go. There you go. Thanks. I'll be Zach. They stole our bloody music. They didn't stole their music. Really annoying. Those, those. I'm shaking my fists. How, how dare they you... steal our free audio <laughs> library music? Yeah. Uh, excuse me, I paid a license to use this Actually, music. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> this was not free. <laughs> Royalty-free music, everyone. <laughs> That's what happens. Um, I'm actually Stuart Greenwood, and I'm joined as always by Chris Evans Hello. and Tom King. He remembered my name this time. I did. I remembered your name anyway. I just didn't remember your fictional name. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I didn't, I didn't live with get that. me for not remembering your fake name. Um, this week we're going to do a review. Well, we've got a bit of news, and then we're going to do a mid-season reviews and kind of like a school report kind of half thing. Half-term report. Half-term report. If your half-term report rated you out of ten, <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? School reports that just rate. Their students out of ten. Is that how they do it? I mean, G- GCSEs are numbers now. The the really yeah. I can't get my exams head around that. Are numbers. I mean, what's the difference anyway? We're going way <laughs> off topic already. Um, Chris <laughs> has some news for us, so shall we go into that first, and then we'll get to work ranking teams. I'll do a speedy bit of news. Um, sort of interesting thing from McLaren, a kind of double piece of news. The first bit that came out is that they are selling well they have sold now the applied technology division of the company Hmm. um that bit is basically the technology part of mclaren that focuses on they do a lot of telemetry stuff and all their kind of uh, electrification of vehicle stuff is within that and analytics and things like that um so they currently supply the ecu for all the f1 teams they supply the formula e batteries uh all kinds of stuff like that but they're selling off that chunk of the company to a London-based investment company called Greyball Capital, which definitely Ooh. sounds like the front for a Bond villain. Yeah, um, that sounds like something <laughs> out of Hitman, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. <laughs> um, they, much like other kind of sales and selling off things that McLaren had done recently, they're still going to uh, that division is still going to stay at the McLaren Technology Centre. It's still going to be run under the current management, but basically, it's going to be run with money from. Grable now and make money for them rather than um, by McLaren. Um, Kind of not dissimilar to how they don't actually own McLaren Technology Center anymore. That's owned by someone else and kind of McLaren let it from them. It's it's them just getting big injections of cash into the business, yeah. basically. Well, yeah. It's them remortgaging the house, is what it is. Essentially, which, yeah. Which they literally did last winter. Yes. And they, they sold and then rented back the technology center, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, and they say it's kind of just part of their refocusing of the business uh, on the two main things are going to be luxury supercars, which is sort of where the core of their income is going to come from, I guess, going forward, um, and elite motorsport. Speaking mm-hmm. of, it was announced today or yesterday that they are uh, going to be taking the majority stake in the Arrow McLaren SP IndyCar team as of the end of this year. So McLaren was sort of a minority stakeholder in that team uh, the last couple of years I've been running it, but they're going to be, um, they're going to own 75% of the team now. And it's going to be run by a new five-person board, although that does include Zach Brown, 
um, and a guy called Sam Schmidt, who was the original founder of that team. I mean, it's original guys kind of 20 years ago or so. Mm. Um, so a proper like push into IndyCar, like it's a proper McLaren works team essentially in IndyCar. Yeah, now. that's legit works. It's legit McLaren IndyCar, isn't it? Yeah, that's really exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, and with that and kind of the the constant rumours that they're going to be, well, they have a reserved spot in Formula E within the next few years if they want it. It's it's cool. Mm. It, it's clear that they like they really want to focus it's, on being a motorsport team and not so much spreading themselves thinly as they did in recent decades. Yeah, it's it's interesting level of diversification that they're going through at the moment. Mm. I think a, a lot of the sort of a lot of these Formula One teams who exist as just a Formula One team, for example, Williams, um, they, if anything were to happen, it's kind of like, it doesn't make much business sense to have just your one egg. If you make race cars and only doing Formula One mm. seems a bit like putting all your eggs in one basket. Because if any, if anything happened to that sport, for whatever reason, if it got shut down or if there was another pandemic and or, or, or this pandemic got worse and there was no Formula One anymore, then suddenly all these businesses that revolve around this one sport yeah. would just disappear and all these jobs would disappear and lives would be ruined and it would be a disaster. So it's and a good I, thing, I think, that they're doing this. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, yeah, like off that point, I don't think it's any coincidence that the team that's struggled most in recent years is Williams, who are the most independent, most F1-based team yeah. on the grid. I mean, they mm. don't really do anything, do they? There's the Williams Junior. No, program. they sold they sold off um, Williams Advanced Engineering, didn't they? A yeah, few years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, That was part of what they they did to try and like Re- recover, recover. Yeah, like yes. bring cash in to to stay relevant in F1, which mm. obviously sadly didn't work. It's interesting though. It's yeah. um, it's cool to see, and we also say that McLaren ran some amazing liveries in the IndyCar race yesterday. Yeah, there was some cool. Really, ones. Yeah. Yeah. really cool. Oh, I didn't um, see that. And if you well, have a look. unrelated to that, go watch the highlights or yes. indeed, well, I was going to say watch the whole thing, but it was about three hours to do an IndyCar race yesterday. So don't try and watch the whole thing, but it was a heck of a race if you didn't see it yesterday. Yeah. Where uh, was it? I think I think I described it as Formula E meets Baku F1. Yeah. It was <laughs> um, a With a bit of Magello in just for spice. It was Memphis, a brand new track there. It was uh, pretty cool if... A little on the bumpy side. Yeah, Memphis, I, Tennessee. It's, Ooh, I think fan created it's the, it's, it's the Korean <gasps> War Memorial Bridge, isn't it? Yeah, that's they go like... down the final sort of length, and that that looked awesome. That was awesome seeing that. <laughs> Wes just said in the chat, if you fast forward through the forty-six cautions and red flags, it's about a twenty-seven-minute race. Oh my goodness! <laughs> there were so many cautions. <laughs> ah, well, I know what so I'm doing many. this evening. Yeah, probably yeah, for half an hour. While I cook dinner. Um, uh, the only cool. other bit of news, um, just about in time, we were promised uh, a resolution to the Aston Martin appeal today, and we've sort of got one. Uh, the, the request for the right to review the decision to um, disqualify Vettel was denied by the stewards, um, meaning as things currently stand, his disqualification still stands. Um, the sort of quote-unquote new evidence they bought was basically proof that there was a failure in the fuel system which meant there was less fuel in there than they thought they did which the stewards who would have funk it yeah the the second the second (laughs) you said the new evidence that they brought i I was really hoping you were gonna say alex albon did (laughs) the same number of laps in the same car and the the same track yeah (laughs) 
Um, that's not going to get old, that is it? No, it's really just going to keep. We're going to keep new doing that one. New evidence means Alex Albon recreated the situation. <laughs> yeah, um, it's interesting though because as part of their new evidence, they admitted that there was actually only 300 mils of fuel in the car, not a liter. So, to like the the rule says. It, no matter what the circumstances, there has to be a leader. There's no extenuating circumstances. Yeah. Um, so. What did I say last week? I said they got it wrong. I said they got the calculations mm-hmm. wrong. That's exactly and here we are. Do you want to know exactly what it was, actually? I'd love to know, yes, if you have that information. I'm sure I the audience do. would love to know as well. Um, as a result of loss of fuel cell pressure, the air pump in the fuel cell activated at maximum output, and by pumping air through the fuel cell, a significant amount of fuel was inadvertently discharged from the fuel cell. Discharged hmm. where? Doesn't say and weirdly. When? I don't know where and this when? fuel went. Yeah, did um, they like go to put it into the container <laughs> to do the check? <laughs> and then there's just fuel like blasting everywhere. Like, oh god, 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 god. Just some Aston Martin mechanic like trying to scoop it up off the floor, like no yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> Um, you can't you no one can see this in the audience but chris was just doing the most hilarious hand (laughs) motion chris was scooping um (laughs) failure of the fuel cell pressure relief valve is the prime suspect but yeah that's that's this huge response essentially was it doesn't matter how it happened it did and you didn't have enough fuel so yeah Yeah, that's it that's Um, i mean black and white isn't it they still do have the option of appealing the decision so so far they have asked for a review of the decision which have been denied but they can still appeal the decision and technically the appeal doesn't require the one liter of fuel but the fact that they've mm. admitted there wasn't enough fuel in there when the rules yeah. say you need that much fuel that then yeah no does it's, the uh does the res- resolution of this appeal appeal to you as the new owner of a aston martin hat chris <laughs> oh wow mm. you've worked straight in haven't you I mean, they they goofed it, didn't they? They they haven't got a leg to stand on. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. They're, they're well within their rights to appeal it, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, that, it's a why shame. Waste your time. Concentrate on just concentrate. Don't do. Don't be Red Bull. I don't mean, they lose got two focus. weeks off though. They've got nothing better to do right now. <laughs> They're not yeah. allowed to do anything else <laughs> except, um, except chewing the wind. They've got two weeks to calm down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what they've got. It's a shame for Seb, it's a shame for Aston Martin, it's good news for Tom who doesn't have to go into the website and fix all the predictions results. Yeah. Yes, that is a good result. I may or may not have had influence on the decision. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously Mercedes will be pleased because they've got extra points out of the disqualification as well. They've got an extra one or two points. Williams will be pleased as well. They've got some extra points. Yeah. That That could make the difference for the season, you know, for Williams. Yeah. Actually, I'm pleased as well for reasons that will become apparent later in the podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, uh, that's uh, about it for uh, news. Okay. It's about all the news uh, we've got. But it is oh. summer break, so I guess it's going to be a quiet news week. That went well. Yeah, it is. Sorry, my phone was ringing then, otherwise I would have moved us on. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's time to do a mid... Can't speak. It's time to do a mid-season review. Um, we're going to start at the bottom, and we're going to work our way up the championship order. I'm assuming, looking at this list. Is that mm-hmm. is that the order you put it that in? That is exactly the order it's in. And um, yeah, why don't we start at the very bottom with uh, Nikita Mazepam. Um, do, you to, do you want some stats to start us off? Should we, should we yeah. stat our way yeah, into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stat- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, 
yeah, Schumacher and Mazepin are 19th and 20th. Although I said that was the wrong way around. 20th and 19th in the order I said them in the championship. Um, in terms of the head-to-head, it's 9-0 to Schumacher in qualifying. Um, the more switched on among you will notice that's not enough races, but Schumacher missed qualifying twice because he stuck it in the wall in FP3 in Monaco and Hungary. Um, does, nine, that, does that technically make it 9-2? Te- if you, technically 9-2, I suppose, yeah. Depends if you want to include <laughs> those or not. Uh, 9-2 mm. to Schumacher in races as well, but zero points all round. Um, a, point, a pointless exercise so far for, <laughs> for Haas and for... Well, I mean, and it let, Mazapan, obviously, I mean, there's not really much to say about Mazapan. He's been pootling around at the back of the grid, a um, couple of seconds off the pace, sort of, you know. That's, it's like, it's it's easy to dunk on him for various reasons and he deserves much of it, but he has been objectively... I'm not dunking on the guy. I'm just stating he, facts. Dude. Yeah, like, he's just been objectively bad. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, he's I been mean, dominated by his teammate. I I can't think of a time where you've actually seen him this season and thought he's driven to the potential that an F1 driver should be driving to. No, yeah. he's um, closing the gap situations. on pace to Schumacher slowly, but still not quick enough. Yeah, mm. and let's not forget he's had a few sort of um, unsavoury moments on track as well. Yeah, um, most notable being Baku, where he almost had his teammate in the wall, which was a really really bad one. Yeah, um, that was yeah that was awful actually. I forgot about that. A few spins, obviously. It's, I mean, it's a cheap shot to say Maza spin, but everyone does it. So why the hell? I not? mean, I guess to his credit, he seemed to get most of that out of his system early on, and he's. Mm. been doing it less but that's like yeah it's damning and also praise, isn't it also you know they are in a car that's just not got the goods it, it looks the car, atrocious the, yeah the, the drivers yeah. aren't the full problem here are they let's let's be completely honest although you know everyone knows the mazapan story now we're not going to just keep telling that one because it's 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 been done to death um schumacher obviously much quicker than him and doing it doing a okay job in what he's got but yeah that car is so Old is what the car is. It's it's like yeah. last year's it's, car, it's, pretty much. It's worse than last year's car, in fact. Yeah, well, it is absolutely it is because yeah. it's had all the aero trimmed off of it, so... and they've done nothing to fix it. Yeah, um, yeah. Whenever you see the onboards of them, just like every everything that's not a straight line looks like an event. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. There. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It, it, let's you know, let's not. We're, we're verging on like dunking on the whole team now. We, yeah, let's not dwell too so, long on them. So um, we're not dwell too. No, and no one's here to let's let's be honest. No one's here to see to, to find out what we think about Haas. No, are they? So um, scores, Mazapan, Mazapan two, two. You're feeling <laughs> generous, Chris. Two. Okay, Tom, uh, one, one. Just because I can't. Um, <laughs> Just just because I keep it in a straight line more than Mazapan and I can't drive an F1 yeah. car. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give Mazapan... A 1.5, I'll meet you both in the middle. <laughs> Fair. Schumacher scores on the doors, please. Schumacher... It's a hard one because he's obviously he's not really got any competition in his team. No, he's, we've, we've seen him like racing in the last race with people. He did a decent job of it. I think he's still making a few too many mistakes. Like we've already mentioned the two FP3 accidents he had that knocked him out of qualifying. Is Yeah, I think, I think his race craft is more or less like 
where you'd expect it to be, maybe a little bit better than you'd expect it to be. I think the thing that he needs to work on is, like, not necessarily quality, but the lead-up to quality. Like, those mist- those costly mistakes, like pushing a little bit too far in FP3 and stuff mm. like that, and, and costing himself in the long run. So, I mean... I think in some areas he's done better than I thought he would, but in other areas he's not as strong as I thought he would be. So a straight down the middle five for me, if I'm honest. Five for Schumacher. Mm. Mm, yeah, um, like a, a four. I'm going to give him a four. Four. Maybe I should go. I could go 4.5. but <laughs> Just do it. Just, yeah, just keep doing it. Just go Every in the time. <laughs> could be a theme, yeah. Um, Schumacher. For, you kind of just yeah you kind of just nailed the whole thing both of you there i think it is so hard to judge because he's just he he doesn't have there's no benchmark is there so no let's no. let's go 4.5 i'll go in the middle why not why the <laughs> devil not and then ha i mean how do you even rate has like i've literally turned with last year's car with less error on it i mean has you, you you can't score them you can you, i'd give has a zero because they, you know it's literally it, like no effort You've 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 said in a more serious manner what I was going to say in a jokey manner of I'll give them a score equal to the number of points they've achieved this season a big fat zero. It's uh, it sounds harsh, but when you rock up with a car that's well, you've not even bothered to make a new car yeah. for the season, and everyone else has. Which um, okay, not bothered is 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 that's being really harsh, but. I know what it's you pinnacle mean. Pinnacle of motorsport. You like you can't just rock up with last year's car and expect to get points. Even no, no. I'm going to so... give them a one, and the one is for Mick Schumacher's um, race engineer, who I can't his name, but he used <laughs> to be Magnussen's race engineer. And yeah. like the way they talk on the radio and the like relationship they're building is just like very yeah. nice and heartwarming. So he earns them a one. <laughs> Actually, you know what. Zero's ha- zero is harsh. I'd, I'd give them a one on the principle that they have actually turned up at least. They may be <laughs> backmarkering, but at least they are there. And I'll they, give them a z- they've stayed z- in the sport. I'm going to give them a 0. 0.5. 0. <laughs> 0.5. Because it's not fair to be hard on the whole team because the bosses decided not to make a new car. Because yeah. so, they're there, they're trying. Like the people who work for that well, team, yeah, they're I mean, working really bloody hard as well. So exactly, like the, you know, when it comes to like a race weekend, the engineers and everything, and everyone on the pit wall and so on, like they're not just throwing in the towel because it's last year's car. No, they? no, it's not that. The, so that's there's not some the credit to be given there. No. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So console. Let's let's go one point overall. Then <laughs> consolation point. Consolation point for doing the best with what they've got. <laughs> um, Alfa Romeo. Um, Raikkonen 17th in the championship, Giovinazzi 18th. Uh, Giovinazzi has Raikkonen in qualifying 8 for 3. Um, Raikkonen's doing better in the races though with 6 to 5 and then they've got Raikkonen on 2 points and Giovinazzi on 1 point for a total of 3 points in the championship. Mm. Who do you want to start with? Uh, we'll do Giovinazzi. Um... Um, for kind of anonymous, I feel I think like. I mean, this is another one of those, like, kind of a bit like how I was feeling about Mick. Like, it feels like really down the middle. So even he's not, I mean, it's slightly different to Mick Schumacher. Like, Mick Schumacher's ex- like, been better in some areas and not good enough in others. I think Giovinazzi's just kind of coasted all season and, like, not really stood out in either direction. He's not stood out for mistakes, mishaps and wrongdoings, but he's also not stood out for 
like excelling and getting the most out of the car and and putting it somewhere it like doesn't have any right to be that kind of scenario. Yeah. So I yeah. think that he's down it's down the middle with a five probably for both of them if I'm going to be brutally honest. I think much mm. like last season Giovinazzi is like quietly doing a solid job, but as you say it's nothing spectacular, but he's obviously not in great circumstances cuz that car's pretty shoddy this year. But he's doing yeah. a respectable job, I think. He is. I mean, 10th, 10th at Monaco. You've got points in Monaco there. That's not yeah. easy. Especially in that car. Um, so, you know, there's, it's not there's like credit he there. looked into it either. There was only like two retirements that race, weren't there? So it's not yeah, like... Yeah, he... yeah. It was a proper... Um, it was a proper race, wasn't it, that Monaco? Yeah. I, th- I think a five's probably about fair for him. And how cool. about Raikkonen? I'm, I'm on a five as well. How about Raikkonen? Raikkonen. Raikkonen... Raikkonen scored 10... <sighs> It was 10th in, he's got a in Baku, tenth in and Baku he's just got 10th and... in Hungary as well. Yeah. So yeah. he likes the, uh, likes, the, likes the Eastern European uh, races, does Raikkonen. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't think... I'd he's... genuinely be tempted to go lower than Giovinazzi am, yeah. and say a four. That's exactly where I am. I, I Given I his think, experience. Yeah, that's exactly it for me. Like He's, un- he's way underperforming where he should be, regardless of if the car is... You know, up to standard or not, like on a on a sort of flip side, we always talked up like Leclerc when he was getting the best out of that. Oh, I'm, admittedly, the Alpha was better at that time, but we always talked him up. We've talked up Russell over the last couple of years, getting the most he can out of a Williams. Might never amount to points, but it's always a situation of like that opportunity is there, and and I just feel like half the time you see Raikkonen on screen this season, it's some sort of clumsy incident. I mean, admittedly, not every single one of them has been directly his fault, but he's been involved in a lot of them. And I think his qualifying's probably been part of that because his qualifying's been really poor this season. Well, yeah, and he's even actually out qualifying him, isn't it? Like he? to to be yeah out qualified eight three is it's not good enough for a driver of his sort of pedigree no. caliber, is it? Yeah, he's a world champion. The man's a world champion. Exactly. Yeah, and he's sort of plodding around outside the points. Yeah, I, I think this is it. You, you, the word you use there, plodding around. Yeah, is, the fire's That's gone. how it feels with Raikkonen this year. He's, I mean, it's you know, this is not the first time we've said this, but he seems just like he's gone. If in in last few seasons, he's felt a little bit like he's going off the boil, and now he feels like he's just not even bothered. Yeah, to he, me, like especially with some of the radio messages as well. Like he's blaming the team for stuff. He's. Yeah. It must be hard for him because obviously he's gone. He's been at top teams and he's 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 been the best. He's won the championship. Two thousand seven, I think, was his championship, wasn't it? Yeah. He so he knows what it's like to be at the best teams and how good you've got to be. So when for him to turn around and be sort of having a go at the team and saying you you know you've balls us up, we're going to lose points again, blah blah blah, like he did last weekend, then you can kind of understand it because he knows that you've got to be on top of your game 100% of the time to do well mm-hmm. in this sport. And if he's not getting that from the team, then obviously that's going to be really demotivating Yeah, as an individual himself. to he, It can't be easy to give, you, give 100% every weekend if you feel like, even if your team is giving 100%, which I'm sure the people in that team feel like they are, he knows there's more to be had almost. So he's kind of like upset about that. Yeah. Like, um, Frederick Vasseur, the team principal at Alpha, like said in the last few days that he's like 
Kimmy's still very much motivated and giving his all. And like he said, like oh. if we ask him to be in the simulator at eight AM, he's there at eight AM sharp with a smile on his face. And I, I'm not sure, just not sure I believe that honestly. Mm. Like he's just not. He just. I mean, I know Kimmy's never exactly given off like a friendly, happy, excited. Is he? Exactly. Well, yeah, it's a very great point. It, but <laughs> even by his standards, he seems just particularly disinterested this year. He does. I think that's that's mm. the word. Disinterested is the word. He, he, yeah. he definitely just doesn't seem that fussed anymore. So in conclusion, four. Four points. Four. Okay, yeah, I can agree with four points for that. So we've got, what, Giovinazzi on five, Reckon on four, and then Alfa Romeo T as a team. I think for all the reasons we just talked about, I, I can't really go much higher than like a maybe a three. That's kind of where I am as well. They're just sort of there, aren't they? Now my four feels generous. <laughs> Did you go four for the team? Yeah. It's in that ball. I mean, on, on the same sort of principle as the the Raikkonen principle, as much as we refer to them as Alfa Romeo and they are like a, a junior Ferrari team, however you want to look at it, ultimately that's still a Sauber team with like... It's a junior Ferrari team with no Ferrari juniors in it, is what mm. it is. Well, yeah. I don't... I mean, G- Giovinazzi is technically still, I think. But yeah. Rega- yeah, regardless, is. like, there's, there's <clears throat> decades of experience. There's a wealth of experience in Formula One and motorsport within that team. And I feel like they should be... They should be in a far better position to be making a go of it than the likes of, say, Haas. Like, Haas are a relatively new team. Had some... Like unexpected successes quite early on with with because of like whatever deals they had going on with Ferrari in terms mm. of like the way that they put the car together, whatever. But like Haas at this point is starting to feel a little bit like your Marussia's, your Lotus, or whatever else they had Caterham as they were also known at one point, yeah. like whatever else they got called, and um Hispania, HRT, mm-hmm. like they sort of, it feels like they've fallen to that point where the financial burden has caught up and they just can't compete. Whereas Alpha as Sauber should be like, I don't, I, just, I don't know, I just feel like with a manufacturer backing like that, they should be easily outperforming Williams. And I think Williams are far too close to them. Like Williams is like what is still classed as a true independent compared to Sauber, who are technically a factory team with an Alpha and Ferrari link, they should be yeah. doing much better it, and they should be way further ahead of Williams than what they currently are. Well, I think I this guess. is this is why there's no Ferrari juniors there because Ferrari obviously are not liking what they're seeing mm, yeah. in, it, that, in it, that team. So they don't want to put their junior drivers in there. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be full of Mick Schumacher's and, and goodness knows who else. But then it yeah. feels like that's on them. Like it, I, it doesn't feel like Alpha are bringing anything to that team other than a livery. Yeah, a livery yeah. and a name. That's it's it. a branding exercise. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? That's it, what it really seems is. Like yeah, because other than that, I mean, you know, if the phrase is uh, "win on Sunday, sell on Monday," <laughs> then I dread <laughs> to think how the, the, the financial dire straits Alfa Romeo must be in. If it's Alfa Romeo breakdown on Tuesday, <laughs> 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 don't sue us. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah. Low points then for Alfa Romeo. Shall we? <laughs> yeah. Shall we? Uh, we better move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to Williams. Um, so Williams, we've got obviously your boy George Russell down in sixteenth, and Latifi in fifteenth in the championship, ahead of Russell. Surprisingly, um, despite this qualifying, Russell has got a clean sweep, eleven to nothing. Um, races, Russell has finished ahead seven times. Latifi just the three. 
And yeah, the the obviously the points, ten points for Williams, um, all of those achieved in Hungary last weekend. Not last weekend, weekend before. Yeah. Yeah. Um as we record this. So where do we Williams are a kind of a tricky one to to rate, I think, mm. this season because there's definitely steps forward. And we're partisan because we all love Williams. But yeah, I'm trying you, to take that do, hat off right now. You see the I think you they're one of the team the, they are one of the bottom teams where you can see progress. It doesn't feel like they've sort of the other guy the, the other two below, Alfa Romeo and Haas, seem to be sort of they they're either stagnant or moving backwards. Yeah. And, and yeah. Williams are making changes within the team and it start it looks to me like it's starting to bear fruit on track like definitely this season's been their best for a long time so far so yeah where do, where do we start with Williams then so shall we we've got to talk about Russell first yeah um I mean obviously he's qualifying his one lap pace is phenomenal yeah yeah um his race pace is a little more up for debate, I think. Um, yeah, I, he's got I, wouldn't, a, I wonder how much of that is the car, though, because it uh, like it's a tire muncher. It is. Yeah, I mean, Latif has suffered in this in similar ways, like qualifying better than he has in previous seasons, and generally getting better as the season's gone on as well. Mm-hmm. But then suffering a bit and sort of going backwards in the race, I think. Mm. Um, I think there's a def- there's a definite difference in one lap pace though from George Russell's point of view than there is uh, Nicholas Latifi's. Yeah, true. Just because of the sheer number of times George Russell's Russell's getting out of Q one and even like knocking on the door of Q three. Yeah. So his I think there's a definite difference there. I think Russell's biggest problem is still his starts and opening laps. Like. Mm. You know, obviously he tends to qualify higher up than he should be, so you're always going to lose places. But his first laps have been pretty ropey for the most part, and I think mm. that's a lot of the. You know, it, you'd expect him to go backwards throughout the race if he qualifies, you know, eleventh or twelfth. But when you lose like five positions on that first lap, you kind of you've lost most of what you're going to lose immediately kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I I can't. I agree with you to a point, but I think. He's obviously doing a lot more with that car than what it's. Came. I think probably George Russell's a big part of this Williams resurgence. Definitely. I think if George Russell wasn't in that car, then obviously they'd be on six points still this season. If it, if if Russell wasn't in that car and it was someone else and they hadn't scored points, say Mazapan. But I think like when you on race starts, when you're starting in a car that's already not that great, mm. then. That's uh, during a race start. All those issues are, ca- are compounded so much more because you're so close to everyone else, and you're you're almost like you're on the back foot straight away before you even come off the line. Oh yeah, completely. So I, I, I kind of I can defend. I think if he was doing this in a Mercedes, I mean, th- if he's doing this in a Mercedes next year, then if he is in a Mercedes next year, which let's face it, we we're all pretty sure at this point it's going to be. If he's doing this next year and he's losing those vision off the start, then obviously you've got a real problem. But the fact that he's in a Williams that's already qualifying way out of position, way further ahead than it needs to be, is always going to get mugged off the line because all the cars around him are so much better. And to to be fair as well, the one time we did see him start in a Mercedes, he had a great start. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um as for Latifi I was like I was just looking back at the results and like 
Obviously, Russell's come close to getting points numerous times this season. Yeah. And every time he did, it's not like Latifi was like right on his tail in the hunt as well. Like Latifi's routinely numerous positions behind him. I think yeah. Yeah, Russell's really shown Latifi up this season. Like, although the point standings don't reflect that. Um, I don't know. I just don't I think, think the fact that Russell was able to say, sacrifice my race for Nicholas <laughs> shows you where the sort of where the dominance lies in that team. Like they're definitely yeah. a team that's listening to George Russell and not really, he must have him so far on the ropes in that team that, that he can, that he's got the confidence to say that about his own yeah. race. When, yeah. when you look at the other names circulating around that Williams seat, like, you know, uh, DeVries, Van Dorn, Holkenberg, possibly like Nissani aside, I think the rest of them you'd expect to be faster than Latifi. I don't think he's, oh, yeah, he's just not, yeah. he's not done enough this season to, more on that seat, I don't think. I fear for Williams a little bit once George Russell's gone, but go on. Sorry, Tom, go on. No, I was just going to say, in comparison to a previous rating of kind of all middling around Giovinazzi being a five, like not really done anything too detrimental, but also not done anything above and beyond, where do you see Latifi? Is Latifi a five as well, or is Latifi well worth that? I think he's less than that. I mean, I, w- I will say, nah, that's he's got I will points say, though. He's scored points, and he was very good at that last race in Hungary. He was very good. Like he, under the pressure of like this is your chance to score your first points, kind of thing. He was really solid. Like I think that scenario you're talking about is the one that saves me from scoring him lower than a five. I think if he if he'd have either lost places there and not been able to fight the position. Or some, you know, somehow mucked that situation up. Basically, I think I'd be scoring him under a five, but that saves him for me. And as much as it's like a great thing for them to have finished there, I think if it wasn't for that, he would have scored much lower. So, despite his <laughs> his six point haul for Williams, it's still a five from me for him, okay. and probably like a six for George. And I don't know if that feels generous or or harsh depends on how you look at it like i think given his quality performance it probably feels harsh but i think given his race performance it probably feels fair i Mm. think i disagree with you in both directions there (laughs) i think for me latif is like a four russell's at least a seven okay (laughs) i was just trying to be as impartial as i could be (laughs) i'm gonna go I think Russell is probably, for me, Russell is nearer to the 6-7 sort of mark. Maybe even, I'll go 6.5. Yeah, there just we go. The year in between the two of us. Just give myself the in-between. <laughs> um, in fact, I, you know what? I would go as far as to say George Russell is 7. I want to give George Russell I 7 was, because he's, I, it's, it's the knock, just sorry, sorry it's the knocking yeah. on the door of the points. Like Austria yeah, is yeah. 11th, Great Britain 12th. Um, he's had a couple of a few 14 so it's the consistency you know like yeah. he's always there or thereabouts and he's he, you can see that he's like extracting the absolute maximum from that car and actually for that reason i'm going to go higher than i said i'm going to go eight <laughs> for george russell i was just thinking no, of some... now you're just fanboying though yeah i fully no, expect him to I score him higher than this but i, I, I was no. on the cusp of giving him an eight as well but i i genuinely thought my seven was being too like Generous. impartial <laughs> Oh, I, thought yeah, my, okay. I thought my seven was like being impartial, so I, I knocked it down to a six. Okay. I'm sticking so. with eight still. I'm going to stick with eight for George Russell. Um, Latifi, what did you give him? Five. five uh, yeah, five. Four the, for the, me. 
the the defensive ability and like holding on to those points that he was given the opportunity for in Hungary saved him for a five. I mean, four point five. Then why not <laughs> Williams overall? I think a six. I think that they're doing better than I expected them to be, but there's still a long way to go. Especially when you consider that there's only George Russell able to ex- like consistently extract anything out of the car. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you have to sort of take into account where they've been in recent years and where you expect them yeah. to be. So I think, mm, I'm going to say a five. I'd have liked to have seen a bit more progress from them. but hmm. um, I think a lot of the performance in the Williams at the moment, although the team is heading in the right direction overall, I don't think they've put a massive amount into this season's car. And I also understand it totally understandably. Why why would you when you're or when you're not expecting to do so great anyway? Um especially when your competitors have not brought anything new to the table. <laughs> yeah. Um I think George Russell's getting flattering that team a bit. Um so I'm gonna go with a four for Williams overall. Wow. Mm-hmm. So because middle's out, Chris is in the middle this time. <laughs> yeah, it's just because it's for that reason. I think if they didn't have a driver like Russell, that you know, he's he's flash, he's been flattering that car for a while now. And I I think if you had someone more junior than him in there, or you know, say you've got your Lance Strolls of the world and your uh, your Nikita Mazepans, your Schumacher. If, I think if even if Schumacher was in that car, that car wouldn't be doing what it, Russell's no, doing with it this not season. At all. So so yeah. It's it's much more about car than it driver than it is car for Williams. So that's why I scored them low. Aston Martin, Chris's favourite team. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Ten from Chris. You bought the hat. You put, they're your new favourite. If you buy the hat, then they're your favourite team. I just, I just like argue. Hat. I just Chris, like whatever. Whatever. Chris, you've known we've known you and in that time you've only <laughs> owned two Formula One hats. One was a Valtteri Bottas Mercedes hat, which is now redundant. <laughs> 60 so quid. therefore, you've gone to the AMR. I'll 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 say Sebastian on the record Vettel what I sent you earlier. I went I went hat shopping, fully intending to buy a McLaren hat. Yeah, had yeah. a look at the the options. None of them were doing much for me. So you're lost, McLaren. Design better hats. Wow, make better I mean, hats, McLaren. That's you surprising because that, they got I have some beautiful McLaren hats. <laughs> There's... They've made some very nice ones, but the current <laughs> offering not working for me. Huh. So you've switched allegiances altogether. This is unimportant. To- <laughs> <laughs> okay, Aston Martin. Aston well, all right. Martin. After all that, uh, Aston Martin. Oh. Disappointing. Is how oh. I would describe their season. Well, let, let's let's describe their season in statistics, and then we can get into the meat of it. Um, Vettel in 12th, Stroll in 14th, qualifying Vettel leads 7-4, to races um, Stroll leads 6-5, to and points-wise, we've got 30 points for Vettel and 18 from Stroll to make a total of quick maths 48. I guess that 6-5 to is misleading because if, you know, Vettel on the road, has it should be 6-5 to Vettel on the road, he just happened to get disqualified because... They can't measure fuel properly, but yeah, and uh, there was the Raikkonen thing in Austria as well, wasn't there? That took yeah. the race. Um, mm. Vettel's so all... Stro- Oh god, well, let's let's go. Let's start with Stroll. Stroll's been pretty. I think again, he's in probably a, a good thing for Stroll. I think actually that he's been quite anonymous again yeah. this season. It's another one of those drivers who's just not really given as much to talk about, which is actually. a Again, you know, the, for the criticism 
that Stroll's had in the past and for the criticism that the Aston Martin team got when Stroll sort of, well, what was it, Racing Point, when it became Racing Point mm-hmm. and Stroll yeah. joined it. And I think, I think this is kind of a good season for Stroll just to sort of get on with it and not really make too much fuss, not cause any accidents. Just, just be, just do, 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 do a solid enough job. Get around well, and don't make any waves. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm struggling to think of anything Stroll has done this season other than spearing into the side of Leclerc at the last race. <laughs> yeah, it's the only time he's like stood out. <laughs> but, but your, your point stands. He has just kind of quietly got on with things. I mean, yeah. Like I think in seasons gone by, you've seen you know he would you've seen him make a number of mistakes, a number of mistakes that pay drivers make. Mm-hmm. It felt like in in seasons gone by, and hungry aside, <laughs> like <laughs> it, it feels a lot less like that for him this season because we, he's, I guess he just hasn't made the headlines. Like he's just sort of kept his head down and got on with it. He's he's mm. an easy driver to criticise for obvious reasons, yeah. but I think he has done and still is doing enough to justify his place on the grid yeah i mean he's consistently finishing in that sort of like bottom end of the points which is sadly what that car's generally been capable of most of the season yeah and like even when he's not in the points he's he's still been pretty close like sort of 11th and 12th and stuff so i think he's probably doing what the car is capable of but not outperforming it i would i would have said yeah yeah, so based few, on few, all few that, eighth places. He's got more eighths than any other position, actually. So yeah. far this season, <laughs> which, as you say, is kind of where that car seems to be, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, te- technically speaking, he's been in the points on more occasions than Vettel. Yeah, mm. he's been much more consistent than Vettel. Like has. you've <laughs> you've got Vettel sort of finishing second twice, technically. I mean, he finished. Yeah. He finished second. He might not have been given the points for it, but he's finished twice. Uh, yeah, yeah finished second he, twice. He ended then, the race in second position. <laughs> but then, like, two races before that, he's finishing, like, 17th, 18th, 16th. Like, yeah, it's just so... It's just such a weird spread for Vettel, whereas at highs least and lows. for Stroll, it's, it's like... Yes, it's a lower position, but it's, it's there's consistency there. And yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, like, a lot of... Uh, the, a lot of up and down on the Vettel side of it. I think you got to remember he's, he's he's come into a new team and he's only done what eleven. I suppose by the time you're doing eleven races in a car, you ought to be. I'm pro- might be eating my words later, but you ought to be up to speed by now. Mm. Um, I almost just want to give them both a five based on all that. Yeah, I think last race. I think they're definitely. It's a team that's been hit hard by the rule change with, with yeah. the arrow yeah, no and doubt. the flaws. So that's obviously, I mean, there's just no doubt about that considering how well they did last year. They were sniffing wet race wins last last uh, last season. In fact, didn't they get one or two race wins last year? Uh, they got one, Perez. In, got um, Perez got Perez, one, didn't they, just yeah. before he moved to Red Bull, yeah. Yeah. Um, where was that, Turkey? No, uh, Bahrain. Bahrain. Absolutely. Bahrain. Oh, that was it, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking of the stroll battle to the finish line in Turkey against... Oh well, Stroll got it? pole in Turkey last year, didn't he? But that was it. Hamilton, yeah, beat crawled him to back win the it. title there. Anyway, um, yeah, Stro- Stroll's got a level of consistency this season that I've really not seen him have yet in Formula One. Really, for me, like he's, he's. I would argue that Stroll's having a better season in that car than what Vettel is, despite what really? the points say. Well, 
I mean, I think it is is weird, isn't it? Because there's definitely more consistency, one hundred percent. I don't know if it's better, but I suppose, better I suppose season so far. I mean, the, the, if you look at the number of retirements and the number of outside the points finishes. Yeah, I mean, Stroll if you, has finished in the points more. If you take it just on that basis, Stroll has finished in the points more often than better. Yeah. I think if Stroll could find the pace in the car to be in the top half of the points, or at least sort of higher than eighth, basically, he's not been higher than eighth, has he? So if you could find the pace to be higher than that, then I think his consistency would pay more dividends in in terms of like comparing it in the standings to Vettel. Vettel's obviously got a huge advantage of one of those points finishing. He's only got three officially, and one of them's a second place. Yeah. So, like, there's a huge gulf immediately from that. And I think that when you look at it like that, like, if Vettel got another one of those kind of finishes somewhere towards the end of the season, which we've kind of seen that him and the car are capable of, given the right situation, yeah, then... If that's all Vettel gets, and he's he's got a lot of these like low finishes and retirements and stuff, then those eighth, tenth, seventh kind of place finishes consistently for Stroll could sort of see him leapfrog him. Yeah, but it's unlikely because I think when Vettel does come in, he'll score big points, and that's the difference. I think. And yeah, that's, I, I... that's what he's there to do as well. That's why they employed him. It's like when the opportunity is yeah. there to get a good result, you want someone like a a Vettel multiple champion to do that. Yeah. Um, but the, and the let's also not forget is, that Vettel. The problem is he hasn't though. He hasn't been able to do that. He's he's scored good. He's got um, what? He's scored points on three occasions. Yeah, officially. And and he's there to score points. He's there to score big points on yeah. one of the occasions over eleven races, right? Surely. Well, he's he's got twelve more than Stroll's got. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it, this this is a really difficult team to rate. It is, and. Another factor to consider, of course, is that Vettel's coming into a brand new team, brand new engine, all of that, where Stroll's quite embedded in it. But then again, Vettel's the experienced four-time world champion. So it's really like, I think I, I, I just keep going back to my gut feeling, which is just, they're kind of both a five. Yeah, maybe definitely both. like very middling. Or are they both a six? Five seems harsh. Tom, do you want to break this deadline? I think, uh, let's give them both 5.5. All right, 5.5. Are we all going to go 5.5? Okay, well, both of them 5.5. Team? Uh, if, if I was going to go anywhere, in a, like a serious answer would be probably, uh, despite what I've just been arguing about, Lance Stroll's case for his consistency, I would say 5 for Stroll, 6 for Vettel. And the pure reason being is that I genuinely think Vettel should be doing better and be more consistent, but he's he has outperformed the car when given an opportunity. And Lance Stroll's kind of just, I mean, just kind of brought it home safely, like not mm. really tried to get the best out of it, I don't think. Mm, I, don't, I think or, he's trying. I don't know if that's fair. He's, fine, he's, right, he's finding it harder to get the better yeah. out, I think if, out of it. I think if Stroll had been in the position Vettel was in last race, he wouldn't have been anywhere near as close to Ocon as Vettel was. Put it that way. Agreed. Yeah, well, this is this was what I was going to say. If We were robbed last race, really, because Vettel finishing where he did... If Stroll had not, I mean, partly the reason Vettel ended up where he was was because of the Stroll accident and all the chaos and, and the Bottas accident mm. at the start of the race. So if that happened, if, if that, you know, that second part of that accident happens to be a driver other than Stroll, where does Stroll finish in that race? And yeah. I think that race was such a lottery that I don't, I don't believe that it's like, I don't believe it's enough of a 
I, I don't think we can really gauge anyone's season no, on last race. No, I think I think that's kind of why I'd that's why I sort of give him a six in the sense that for him to be able to to chase that and and hold the position that he did as well as he did, I don't think like there's there's a, there's a a good fifty percent plus of the grid that I don't think could have done that in that car, and which is why he's just a little bit above like what I'd call average, which is the five. It kind of goes okay. back to what we were saying last week as well. It's uh, Alonso sort of the same. It's like. Alonso and Vettel both have spent a lot of this season kind of plodding around struggling, but the couple of times you give them a sniff of a decent result, yeah. they come back to life and like they're at their absolute best. And yeah, that's kind of not how it should be. They should be giving that much and be at that quality all the time, regardless, not just when they get a sniff of a podium or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how fair that is either, but. <laughs> I, I, but like. Look at Vettel. Like Vettel's had so many poor races this season, but Baku he found himself at the front and he was like brilliant in so that last race. Hold on, on, didn't he? Yeah. Same for this last race. And I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's quite as black and white as that, but there's certainly something to it. I guess like when it's this kind of like, I, I, I don't think it's fair to say that they don't turn it on unless they think they're going to get points. I think it means so much to know that you're in an actual a lot of the time when you when you see some of the some of the drivers go by the, so these sort of midfield teams the gaps are such that like you end up running on your own sometimes mm-hmm. and it can be easy to just sort of not really feel like you're racing anyone yeah no, and that's fair. then when it comes to a situation like you had last weekend or in Baku where suddenly you've got a real fight on your hands or some serious points then of course you're going to defend that with everything you've got right because yeah you're racing for serious racing at that point. Plus, you can see the car in front of you that you're yeah, chasing. And it's not just a, a gap. And not only that, it's the situation of like meaning, it just meaning business. Like it's racing and knowing that you actually are in a race with this car. You're not, you're not just going to, you're not racing someone else and letting them through because you don't want it to affect the rest of your race. Yeah. You're yeah. racing this other competitor and it's making a difference to your You're not racing the clock. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's it's so obviously some cars you're going to let through, or you're not going to put up too much of a fight because you're not in the race against those cars. Mm. There's no point ruining your tires for it, which has got to so, be a hard yeah. way to think when you're you're a race driver. You don't want to give yeah, up a position. And you're a multiple world yeah. champion. Yeah, especially. So anyway, we need to give them some points. Um, Stroll. So we, you, you, sorry, five point five. You were for, for we were all I around five point five. I think we all both. kind of ended up there. Yeah, really, for didn't both. We? For, and then for the team, probably five point five again. Probably the right? same as well. Yeah, like yeah. I'd I'd have liked. I expected more from Aston Martin this year. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I will say they are. They do seem to be sort of digging themselves out of the hole that they were in at the start of the season. The they developments, the, especially you know, it's commendable given that uh, again they're one of these midfield, lo- lower midfield teams, if you like, given the current table, um, that have got a lot to develop for next season, but they've got a big cash injection that's come in from um yeah. you know the the stroll consortium. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah I'm sure an awful lot of work is going into making a lightning quick Aston Martin for next season. Alpha Tauri. <sighs> hmm. Not an intro that Alpha Tauri are kind of in terms of the team and the pace, they're sort of where you'd expect them to be. Yeah, I so we've got occasionally punching above that weight. Yeah, we've got um, sixty-eight points in total for um, AlphaTauri. 
54 Gasly, 18 for Sonoda. Um, Gasly's out qualified Sonoda, 11 to nothing. Um, Gasly has also beaten Sonoda in eight of the 11 races, with Sonoda beating Gasly in three of those. I feel like this is kind of a case of a higher placed Williams. Like a slightly better than Williams. Williams, as Do you mean in, in terms of the driver lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a driver lineup point of view, like you've got a driver that's outperforming the car almost every weekend and, and showing like what is capable with some like raw talent, and you've got a driver that I think this this probably sounds really harsh going back to the Latifi thing though. I think that the difference between Latifi and Sonoda is maybe that Sonoda's just finding it hard to adjust to the car and the formula. And there is talent mm. there that we've seen in lower formulas. And I think Latifi's maybe not got that. Like, I, I feel like Sonoda's got room to improve and get on top of things and get better results given he's a little more time. He's definitely rough around the edges. Yeah. That's yeah. 100% for sure. Yeah. I, think, I don't think he's finding it easy. Either. The, there's a language barrier there still as well, yeah. which is sort of slowly getting under control. There's... Um, there's a there's a frustration I think in Sonoda. Mm-hmm. You hear it on the radio a lot yeah. in the race. There's definitely a lot of sort of mind management that needs to go on in that's in race situations. I think for him for him to improve because you hear him screaming and shouting down the radio, and that <laughs> just cannot be good for your driving because you're not focused and you need to be focused on on tire management, on the gap, on on all those little things. Yep. And if if there's just blind panic going on <laughs> yeah. in your head the entire time, then all where where does the focus come in at that point, you know? So yeah. he's he's definitely got some he's got work to do, man. Yeah. So he's, he's got, got big work to yeah. do. He's he's not performed at the level that I would would have hoped he would mm-hmm. coming into that, given given his background basically and and you know what I've seen of him in, in lower formula. And yeah, we all know that, you know, F1 cars are some of the most difficult cars in the world to race. However, I would, it, it comes back to like the same thing as like the, some of the mistakes Mick Schumacher has been making in like FP3 and stuff. And I know they're probably trying to find the limits of the car and get used to that. But Sonoda's done some similar things like getting the rear end round and, destroying it in a wall like either during fp3 or a quali session and essentially putting himself on the back foot for the rest of the mm-hmm. weekend multiple times and then, as well and then the, those those frustrations that Stu's talking about with like that you can hear over the radio and stuff they the paramount because like he knows he's put himself in this position where he's stuck racing these back markers that he's finding it difficult to contend with because he's struggling with the car, because he's had a new rear end built onto it in a short space of time, and then like half qualified or not qualified at all, like it all, and it all sort of comes back to those mistakes earlier on yeah. in the weekend. And I think it just sort of snowballs from, and he needs to, I guess, mentally get on top of yeah. that. Yeah, he needs that, to calm down and have a smooth race yeah. weekend. Is what he needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, four, four is exactly what I was thinking <laughs> as well. Four. <laughs> Okay, and what about Gasly then? I'm a four-two. I'll give him. A, I'll I'll go with four-four. Sonoda, a, 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 a slightly harsh four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, Gasly, sorry, yeah. I mean, pretty consistently Still, in the points this season. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Yeah, um, he's got a third place in Azerbaijan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think the car. I don't think that car is as good this year as it was last year. So he's 
his average results has probably not been as good this year as it was last year. Um, but he's still been fantastic. Um, I was placing him around a seven mentally, I think. I think I'm higher than that. I think I'm an eight for Gasly. Oh, I think he's. I'll go seven, but I can go seven point five for Booby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, he was our driver of the season last year, so he's got to have something going for him. Was us. he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had he had a great year last year. I mean, he won phenomenal year last year. I don't know if was this in another dimension. He was he was so good last year. He was I anyway. Think... Uh, this is let's let's not get hung up on that. <laughs> so um, yeah, this year he got fastest lap in Hungary as well, which is a decent performance. Yeah, it was good. Um, He's worth more than a four for sure. I, I, if you had to put an arbitrary number to Gasly's name, I would give Gasly a seven this season so far. I, I think you're both being a little harsh. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's been great. You think he's more than a seven? Eight, definitely an eight. Is an eight? What do you think, Tom? I said, I said seven. I you said eight. seven. So God, I keep missing these scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coming thick and fast. I, I stand by. Yeah, seven. I know. So it's, I'm too busy like thinking really hard about like, <laughs> what. Trying to remember what 20 drivers have been up to in <laughs> over 11 races is not the easiest thing to do, funnily enough. Wait, did we actually score on the team? Or did we, we just didn't. talk about the fact we, we thought that... Alpha. Alpha. Ter- about where we thought, like... They're like a six for me. Yeah, probably yeah. six. They've gone backwards. It feels There's- like they've... Doesn't feel as good as last season. No, it doesn't. No performance for me. The uh, Alpha Tower. I think sadly, like the improvements of teams that we'll get to shortly have eclipsed. Uh, yeah, eclipsed what the uh, like the Alpha the Alpha Tower is not really gone and improved. Well, I, I say that the Alpha Tower, if it has improved, has not improved as much as some yeah. of the teams that are currently ahead of them. So therefore, it it kind of like you say eclipses any improvement that they have they have actually had. So yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd be around a six. I think six. I think a six is a safe, a yeah. safe score for Avatari. Um, okay, let's move. It. We, we, we need to get through them because we're an hour in and we've only got as far as Avatari. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take just a moment away from this week's episode to talk to you about the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped. It includes their new lawnmower version 4, the waterproof trimmer with advanced skin safe technology. And it now even comes with a travel lock, meaning no more embarrassing activations in airports and the like. You can get 20% off the package by heading to manscaped.com and using the code BOTG. You will also get free shipping on the whole box. It also includes the nose and ear hair trimmer, known as the Weed Whacker, as well as the Crop Reviver Toner and their Crop Preserver Deodorant. Manscaped are trusted by over 2 million customers worldwide, and that includes the three of us. So remember, if you want to get 20% off the brand new Performance Package 4.0, head to manscaped.com and use code BOTG. That's manscaped.com and code BOTG. Alpine, um, Fernando Alonso, out qualifies Ocon six to five, um, and then it's five six to Alon. Uh, sorry, Ocon six, Alonso five in races, and then points wise, it is thirty eight for Alonso and thirty nine for Ocon. Closest pairing on the grid by some margin, actually. Yeah, um, Alpine are in fifth in the championship with seventy seven points. Quick, maths. yeah, and I think Not that's so probably. Maths. I feel like pre-season we expected Alonso to have the legs on Ocon. I think I think we kind of were saying Ocon's probably going to be ahead to start with while Alonso finds his feet. But as the season goes on, Alonso's going to pull ahead. And that's not 
really happened, has it? And I think that's probably more to Ocon's credit than Alonso's detriment. Yeah, I, I think Alonso's definitely well, had more consistency in the points. In it, it's it definitely plays into Ocon's hand in the overall standings. His win, yeah. And if you if you look at his results, ignoring the win. It's not been. It's been a pretty middling inconsistency. Well, take it. take away take away that twenty five points, and what did he have? Thirty nine. So three, that's fourteen. Four. Yeah, so which looks like a half, lot worse. Less doesn't than it? half. And if, if you went by sort of average of ninth place for points, as like add two to it, make it sixteen. He'd be like half by. And I'm not taking away from his win at all. But what I am saying is that if it were not for that situation, you might be looking at the comparison between the two of them differently. Yeah. One, yeah. One I, I, good look, I think I think I think for the purposes of this episode, we mustn't consider Hungary to be a, a result that we're not on grading. the barometer. <laughs> it's, it's just it, it was literally a lottery that race. I and think. this is the thing, yeah. it's like if you if you look at Gasly's season last year, even if you take his win away, he had a brilliant season of lots of really good results. Whereas if you look at Ocon yeah. here, take the win away and he's got like four ninths, a seventh, 13th, 14th, couple of retirements. Like that's not a great... That's average. It's pretty average. And again, his win was fantastic. He was amazing in that one race. But across the season, I don't know. Like I feel like Ocon would have been a six for me. Take his win into account, I'll bump him up to a seven. Does that sound fair? Is if that you wanna, too generous? Yeah. I think it's almost no, too I think, generous. I think a six point five, maybe, but I wouldn't go as I won't yeah, go to a seven. Like, I, I, I was, I was around the six mark because even like if you don't take into account like the finishing positions, but the performance, it was still a very solid performance in Hungary. Like keeping a world champion, like a multi-world champion behind him, like yeah. Sebastian Vettel, mm. is no easy task. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that. There is something to be said for his performance there. I mean, if you if you can take the um, like kind of positive energy that comes with something like that and completely like change the course of his season, and suddenly those tables are turned and he's the one that's finishing fifth and sixth consistently, and he's actually consistently finishing ahead of Alonso, then you've got a different story on your hands. But I think for now, it's a six for me for Ocon and. I mean, probably the same from Alonso. Like, it's a little bit like the Vettel scenario, that, except with a bit more consistency. Like, Alonso has been able to finish consistently in the points, but he's not always looked at his best. But yeah. when well, he's think... given those little sniffs of opportunity at something and he's got an opportunity to race people for position, yeah, he takes that opportunity with both hands. Yeah, and, definitely. And makes the most of it. Okay, so let's get into the meat of Alonso then. Um, bumpy start to the season. Um, a tenth and an eighth. Emilia and Emilia Romagna and Portugal. A couple of um, non-points finishes, and then now, sort of in the second, I guess the second quarter of the season, he's has been consistently in the points. Mm, so yeah. he's kind of done contrary to what we said a moment ago. He has kind of like had a the bumpy start that we said he would and then he sort of seems to be now coming on song if, a little if, bit and I think the car's probably getting a bit better as well yeah. which is going to help him yeah on on the trajectory um, both the drivers are on you'd expect Alonso to creep ahead as the season goes on yeah, yeah. I think at this I mean, point in time literally eight points in it anyway so yeah I think at this point in time given how close they are on every other metric it only seems fair to give Alonso a knock on the same score so I think yeah okay yeah, yeah. I could go with that I could maybe 
give Alonso point one. Uh, are we writing these down anywhere, or can I just? No, it's just, it's they're, just they're, they're in audio this. format if we want them. It's yeah. whimsical. Just go back and okay, listen. Okay, so I'm going to go point one more for Alonso, <laughs> just to point one. I think, I, I think Alonso's wow. edged Ocon slightly. Stu's turning proper, this. Stu <laughs> proper turning this into a decimal scenario. Yeah, we start with a yeah. ten point scale, which Stu immediately turns to a twenty point scale, and he's now made it a hundred point scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay, maths. Um, okay, so Alpine on Alpine altogether. Then Alpine are a difficult team to rank. I they, think, this year gone backwards to, to give points to they've from Renault yeah probably yeah. I mean they're still our Renault they're still well, the same you know team I mean. yeah, from, I from last year they've gone backwards I think like a uh, five for them for me like they have I, I expect fives I expected from the Chris, a bit Chris more again from them this season they've definitely gone backwards a bit I think I whenever think... a team changes their whole name they never seem to go <laughs> forward. They only seem to go backwards. It's like Ren- Renault are like, oh God, we've made a not great car. Let's just jump ship and we'll call it, what should we call yeah, it? Paint it blue. All these random sub-brand we've got. Alpine, <laughs> they look all right. Let's throw that on it. <laughs> on another note, I'd go six. <laughs> and the other, so the, hard. The, I'm sorry to anyone out there who owns an Alpine because that's a hell of a car. That's actually, not many yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so not. A, Sadly, it's not. A, that is a small Venn diagram of back of the grid listeners and Alpine owners. Yeah, I can not tell a Venn you that. Diagram, that's I, mean, two I, circles. I, I drive an eighty-six, so I can't talk. And an Alpine is not a million miles away from an eighty. It's like a powerful GT eighty-six. Is all an yeah. Alpine. Is, but anyway, um, uh, I'd, I'd have I'd be happier giving them a six on the basis that I think that they are one of the teams that I feel like I've seen bring updates, meaningful updates, and then get the best out of them and continue to develop the car. I feel like they're one of the teams that you're definitely seeing that, like, I mean, the the ethos of Formula One of race, see where you are, find what's wrong, make it better. Race, find where you are, find what's Mm -hmm. wrong, make it better. Like, that's always been quite an integral part of the season to me. And I feel like Alpine up there is the teams that are, are doing the most in in that sort of area of improving on what they've got and to to fight for better positions yeah. and better results. I agree, but it's all going to be for nothing in what six months time, less than six months. <laughs> yeah, time. but yeah, I mean, you look at it from their point of view. If if they get fifth over Alpha Tauri, that's that's a result. If they can do anything, I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I don't think they will, but if they could do anything that helps them start eating into McLaren's points, then I mean that's another result for them. Um, they'll be yeah. they'll be wanting to close that gap. Uh, like I mean, I know McLaren are way closer to the top three than Alpine are to them, but I mean it, it only takes a few results like last weekend, like haphazard mm-hmm. results where you've got a McLaren not both McLarens practically not finishing, and then you know them winning again. And I'm not saying it would happen, but like that's their mentality that they've got to have that. That gap is achievable if we keep working towards it, and the financial difference is insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fa- for for a team like Alpine, the financial difference. W- once you get to these top teams now, there's so much money getting pumped into them from other sources that it's almost the the finances of positions in championships make less of a difference. I think Alpine are a works yeah. team owned by one of the biggest car manufacturers on the planet. Like if they if that manufacturer wanted to put the money into the team to make that team do well and win races, and it was economic, if yeah. they saw that as economical, well, they'd be putting the money into it. But the, the the fact is the and this is a much bigger 
picture now than what we're talking about here. But obviously, the 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 people who run, you know, Nissan, Renault Group are getting what they want out of the motorsport program that's got them mm-hmm. in Formula One and don't see the need to give them any more money because it's doing the job that they need to do without them winning the race. Oh, I mean, depending on how close they already are to the cost cap, they, they might not be able to use any more money anyway. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, there's true. also that, that as well. There's that, there's, that, there's that side of it that's becoming more and more of a factor and is going to continue to become more and more of a factor as the season goes on mm. as well. I think we're going to start seeing penalties as well, especially with, you know... Some of the um, cars getting rebuilt and things like that. I yeah, think definitely. There's potential yeah. for some for some trouble towards the end of the season. Absolutely. We'll, we'll wait for that to unfold. Um, so points for Alpine. Then what did we say? Did five. We? Five. I, I I was I was on a six because I I do like to see the fact that they are still putting effort in and improving the car and okay and and like fighting for it at least they're not giving up. I I I like that. I like that about Alpine. I'm going to give him 5.8. Now now he knows it's not officially been written down anywhere. He's just going to take them in. Yeah, he's (laughs) to say what I want. Um, I'm hosting this week. I'm going to do what I like. They, um, no, I like that they are still, they still seem to be putting quite chunky design work into the car this season, even... Mm. So maybe, you know, maybe they know that like they're not getting much more budget for contrary to what I was just saying, they know that they're not getting much more budget <laughs> from Nissan and from Renault. So like, well, we better do it ourselves then. Get get developing this car and get us some more money for next year. I mean, as a as a successful car manufacturer, Renault aren't just gonna throw money at it until it works. They they're gonna want to see results out of it because like like any industry like the way Mercedes look at it is yeah, Mercedes put a lot of money into the Formula One team. However, how many more Mercedes A classes and C classes and GLAs do you do you feel like you've probably seen on the road I feel in the like last decade? So like, many more Mercedes now. Exactly. Than what I did Ten years and ago. I'm not saying it's a direct coloration between the two, but there's definitely some significance there that the fact that the team has been dominant for nearly ten years in Formula One, mm. and suddenly you're seeing double the number. Like it, it was once like Audi territory where Mercedes are now Audi uh, Audi have lost that kind of go to executive car kind of area and it's fallen into the hands of Mercedes in my in my opinion from yeah, what yeah. I see from, on the from UK what roads you notice yeah I think and like I think I that's, agree that's, with you I think that the thing to be careful of though is because we're formula 1 fans and we think of Mercedes in every other breath we take <laughs> that there's a there's an element of confirmation bias there because you're going to be like oh Mercedes yeah, well, there, there, there is but also I think there's the fact that like if you work, walk into a Mercedes dealership for example or even a Renault dealership you walk in there, they've got the F1 team plastered all around and push the fact that this brand makes Formula One cars. And obviously, Mercedes' case, they can go that win races and win championships. And they have the most efficient engines. Yeah. In Renault's case, it's more that that turn up and do stuff sometimes. (laughs) So, (laughs) like, there's only so... What I'm I'm just getting at is that the manufacturer isn't necessarily just going to throw money at it and hope it works. I guess so. There is, I there guess is some like significance also in the finishing the, position. The difference is that Mercedes make cars and Renault make appliances. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> McLaren. Let's talk about McLaren, <laughs> who do indeed make cars. 
serious they cars. They do make serious cars. Um, Lando Norris, third in the championship currently on 113 <sighs> points, has outqualified his teammate 8-3 to three and has outraced him 9-2. to two. Um, Ricardo down in ninth with 50 points. Three podiums for Norris, which is the most of any non-Red Bull Mercedes driver. Yeah, and McLaren and Ferrari also tied on points at 163. Yeah, it's space. It's only on the second place is Ferrari have got, isn't it, that they're ahead of the championship. I did not realise that until just now. That's insane. Um, I'm just going to... Go on. I'm just going to like you might be about to say the same thing as I'm just going to start start us off with with a statement to go from there. Norris, 10. Wow. Wow. It's a strong statement. I, I can't think of a thing he's done wrong or not pretty bloody brilliantly all season. Yeah. Especially he's when definitely he can... had the maximum out of the car every time he's been mm. in it, it feels like. Especially yeah. when you consider how long he's been in F1, which actually isn't still yeah. that long at all. Yeah. Um, he's He's been properly amazing this year. Um, do, I mean, he's in a much better car than he has been the last, you know, in, in recent years. But even so, I think he's probably out driving that car in a lot of situations. Um, yeah, I, I just I honestly can't fault him. And people may say that that's being fanboyish, and maybe there's a little bit of that to it. But I don't know. I, I just don't. I can't fault him. I'm with you. I'm with you. I can't fault. I think the more interesting one to talk about is going to be Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, there's this more juice in that orange. But um, he see what I did there. But um, hmm. yeah, Lando Norris ten for me. Easy, easy ten. Tom, going to score Norris. I, for I'm going to literally take my McLaren hat off. He's literally doing it. Taking it off. What hat and is he going to put on? My Lando Norris glitch cap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do feel fanboyish saying 10, and I think I would say 9, just on the basis that, like, if he'd, if he'd have had that one extra step on the podium, I think I'd have gone 10. But I think there's just that little bit of potential there that he can race those front runners for even better results. I think it's there. It's coming, yeah. And I think if he stays this... I think, let's put it this way, if he continues on the trajectory that he's on for the rest of the season, it'll be a 10 by the end of the season, no doubt. And But it's it, it could go either way. Like, there's, there's, still, there's still more to get, I think, in terms of results. And it could also go completely the other way. Like, he, he had his first DNF of the season like a really consistent year, mm. constantly in the top five, and then yeah. he suddenly had a DNF. And yeah. Other than that Spain, other, it was eighth in Spain, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so like, but, but, I mean, other than that, consistently yeah. there. It's, that's, that's the anomaly. The, the eighth is a real anomaly yeah. as well. Yeah. Below, you so, know, other than that, he's not finished lower than fifth, and it's his, just that one. And it's, you know, three podiums as well this season in third place. Yeah. Um, yeah, amazing job, amazing job. This is boring. Yeah, you know, he's, we, he's all, we all love Lando Norris. He's doing a great job. <laughs> Tens for everyone. He's absolutely my driver of the season because I'll, he's I'll cool. You, <laughs> I'll tell you what to to go along with you two. I'll give him one of Stu's decimal point <laughs> ratings, and I'll give him a nine point nine. Nine point nine. Oh wow! <laughs> Goodness. And then okay. and then if he gets a second, he can have a ten. Okay. So <laughs> go on, Chris. I say I'm less enthused to talk about Ricardo because it kind of. Yeah, Daniel Ricciardo. It's, it's a difficult one for me. That like, so when when we were talking about this before we recorded, I asked the question of how are we, how do we want to approach the rating? Like, is it 
Yeah, you did. Like, I, I thought you were being like really picky as well. When you no, did. no, no, no. It was, <laughs> so, the, so the reason I asked is like, is it against kind of expectations or is it against like where they are in the season or is it like a combination? Because I think expectations for me, Danny Rick would be like a two because I expect so much more of him. Mm. But for where he is in the season, considering he like does get what he does out of a car, he, he can't quite get a feel for, I'd definitely put him more of a five because like he's not doing terribly, but he's getting absolutely blasted by a 9.9 score in Lando Norris. It's yeah. it's such a shame he got, well, not taken out, but like his car knackered in Hungary because like the couple of races before that, he did seem to be on a bit of an uptick of form and I was excited mm. to see how yeah. at a track that he's always liked and gone well at, like, yeah, you know, he qualified badly, but I was fully expecting him to really mount a comeback and it's a shame we didn't get to see that. I think yeah. his qualifyings have been his downfall. Yeah, definitely. definitely he's always season. starting on the back foot, isn't he? Yeah, um, he's managed. He has yeah. managed to move through, though. He's done some good racing. Um, just to, I'll go through Ricardo's results really quick. It's quite interesting to to listen to. So um, I'm going to say eleven numbers here <laughs> um, in a row. Get ready. Um, seventh, sixth, ninth, sixth, twelfth, ninth, sixth, thirteenth, seventh, fifth, eleventh. So, so there's like a up and so, down, like up and down, lack of consistency again. So by that general pattern, I would say that he will come probably ninth and then fourth in the next two races. <laughs> Write that down, see if it happens. My love of data analysis and trends tells me that he will finish ninth and fourth in the next two races. I think the hard thing for him like, is there's definitely... We it's, it's common knowledge now that there's like a bit of an issue with the car for him. I think he's struggling to sort of really get to grips with it and get the most out of it. And Paul D in the chat is saying Danny Rick's main issue is is one lap pace, and I, and I agree. And and part yeah. of that is the fact that he just cannot get to grips with getting the absolute maximum out of this car over a lap over a race. Like he's a, he's a great driver. He's great on tires. Yeah. He's he's um he's adaptable. But there's just something. There's something with the McLaren that he he just finds really uncomfortable, and he, he it's, it's not working for him. It, it comes back to the the stuff that I talked about a few weeks ago when um, I was talking about like a couple of quotes I'd heard from Lando about the way that he drives the car so much differently in qualifying, yeah. and in terms of like intentionally inviting oversteer into the car because it's actually the quickest way to get one lap pace out of it, and talking about how. Danny Rick's not been able to put his finger on that area of the car yet. And I think it's still evident, which is why he's struggling with one lap pace. Um, I, I have faith in Danny Rick. Like, and like I say, I don't think he's having a terrible season. I just think it's been made to look even worse by the fact that um, Lando's having such a great yeah, season. Yeah, he's extracting yeah. I think, absolutely I think out of that car. It, it comes... But, you know, he's like, got the advantage it, of having been in that team and, and developing that yeah, car exactly. around himself for the last few years. So I mean, look look at, like, Vettel's performance in the Aston Martin in terms of the fact that he's only realistically finished in the points three times in 11 races, and obviously four if you count his disqualification. But Danny Rick has actually finished fairly consistently in the points. Mm -hmm. It's just not been to the level that Lando Norris has been finishing in the points. Yeah. So whereas so, Lando has been like top five plus, 
Ricardo's sadly been like bottom five to ten. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so there is a consistency there, and he, he probably will find it, but it's just difficult. It's difficult. And the, the, the slate's going to be the thing. The, the, the thing that Danny Ricardo has got going for him at the moment is the slate is going to be wiped clean next season because yeah. those cars yeah. are going to be so so different that yeah. it's it. Ah, you know, the head to heads next season are going to be whack. There's going to be some real anomalies, I think, yeah. especially at the beginning of the next season. Like it's not, it's going to take some drivers a lot mm. longer than others to really understand the cars. And I think we might be seeing like the, I guess like the less adaptable drivers here, sort of. The, the, um, I, uh, but then I'm calling Daniel Ricciardo unadaptable. I don't think he is unadaptable. I think he's no. He's, and I think what you're seeing here in, I mean, we're very shortly about to get on to Ferrari, so I'm going to mention him in the same thing. Yeah. But I think the way that Carlos Sainz has performed at Ferrari as a new team and Danny Ricciardo has performed at McLaren as a new team is exactly why both those two teams hired those drivers. Mm-hmm. Because Danny Ricciardo, despite having what we consider, a, by all accounts, a terrible season in a lot of people's words, He's finishing the points far more often than he's not, and he's kept that team in touch with Ferrari to go along with the results that Lando Norris is getting them. Yeah, in exactly the same way that Carlos Sainz has been finishing consistently in the points for um, Ferrari, has brought on podiums for Ferrari, and he's keeping them in touch with Red Bull and Mercedes ahead of them, and keeping McLaren at bay, basically, right. which is okay. exactly... They, they basically brought them in because they've got experience and despite not knowing a car, they can still consistently score points in it. And I think that both those drivers have to be given credit for that. D- definitely yeah. Carlos Sainz having a better time at Ferrari than Danny Rick is at McLaren. But yeah. I would definitely say that this highlights exactly why Ricardo is there because come next season, this is exactly what they want. An, an unknown aero formula. They want someone that, no matter how difficult he may find that car, he can bring still get points. The points. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what Danny Rick can do. We don't know if Lando Norris will be able to do that yet next season. I mean, that's I'm sure true. he will. I, I, I've got the faith, but you don't. That's an unknown quantity for Lando so far because he's always been in the same team with predominantly the same aero setup. Yeah, it's a very yeah. consistent period. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so give give Daniel Ricciardo a score and McLaren a score, and then we can move on to Ferrari. I think it pains me to say it, but it's like a six for Ricardo. Um Okay, Tom. I'd 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 go six just because he has been consistently scoring points despite having what we would call a bad season. Okay, I'm gonna go I'd yeah, six seems right, doesn't it? Okay, six. And then for McLaren? Like an eight. Third, fourth in the championship. I want, I want to say eight because they've they've found some aero innovation that's served them well, made the best use of, instead of complaining about how the regs have affected them like other teams further down the grid, they've tried to find a way to... They've developed like, into the regulations. Yeah, like they've, 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 they've tried to find a way to develop out of that Yeah. That difficulty that it's put them in yeah. and successfully done so as well, may yeah. I add. And you've got to think of where McLaren were just two seasons ago as well. Yeah. Yeah, the speed yeah. they've improved has been really impressive. Yeah, there's yeah. a serious, serious progression there. So, points for McLaren. I'm going to go this so far this season. Let's give McLaren 7.5 to 8. <laughs> Are we in oh ranges my God, he's, now? Giving, he's giving ranges now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did take my McLaren hat off, but I'm saying 8. And then I'm going to put it back on. 
I, I, I can't. No, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give him a seven, just a, a straight seven for me, because part of make part of being a Formula One team is being able to provide both drivers with a car that mm. can be competitive for both of them. And it is, but they didn't have a lot of opportunities to be able to do that this year because the regulations were so strict. Yeah, and they didn't really know what they were. 100%. They wouldn't have known what they were getting exactly with uh, Ricardo. They yeah, would have true. had a good idea of what yeah. they were getting, but development-wise, they wouldn't have known 100% exactly how to make the perfect car for him. So, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm being unfair. Let's <laughs> keep it at 7.5. Chris? Oh, did not... Uh, eight, I already said. Oh, did you say eight? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Eons ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we like to talk about McLaren here. <laughs> we do. Okay, Ferrari then. Carlos Sainz. Uh, let me just get my information up on my screen Carlos Sainz 6th uh, Leclerc 7th qualifying Leclerc out qualified Sainz 8 times to 3 um, races Leclerc's out race Sainz 6 times to 5 and then points wise Sainz just ahead on 83 in 6th and then Leclerc in 7th for a grand total of you guessed it 163 points for Ferrari tied with McLaren as we already said um, so we should start with Formula One's most overrated driver. Oof, wow, I feel that. I feel that's very harsh. Charles Leclerc. <laughs> nah, I feel that's I'm just, harsh. I'm just. I'm just only saying it's why I'm just triggering people. I don't mean it. He's not. He's he's <laughs> he's not the most overrated driver in Formula One. There's a reason there's only one Formula uh, Ferrari fan in the Discord, you know, and that's that <laughs> yeah, kind of that's so true, man. Like, like, people, that. Ferrari fans hate us. <laughs> I think was. <laughs> The thing with Leclerc is Leclerc is very, very good in the right situation. And I don't the problem. think he's had maybe as many of those situations this season as he has in the last couple of years. Um, it's, it's what such... situation is that, Chris? <sighs> Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot think, a little bit. I know, but... I mean, I've, I've always said that his wheel-to-wheel racing is the weakest part of his arsenal. And I think he's at his best when he's able to just be on a track and be fast. And he's very, very good at that. So but, he's a bit of a Vettel slash Schumacher then, isn't he? He's that kind of driver. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've backpedaled on that opinion of Vettel as the years have gone on a little bit. I think but it, it was never the strongest part of his arsenal either. I think he was better than a lot of people gave him credit for. But... It's just such an interesting driver pairing, Sainz and Leclerc, because I think most people expected Sainz to really struggle against Leclerc, and that's just not happened. And I think it's hard to tell how much of that is Sainz adapting really well and how much of that is Leclerc yeah. struggling a bit this season. I think Sainz has put the cap on amongst the pigeons in Ferrari mm. himself. Mm. I think I don't, and I said this last season. I, Carlos Sainz is not going to Ferrari, has not gone to Ferrari to be a number two driver. No, as much as Ferrari probably want him to be a number two driver to Charles Leclerc, but it's just not. Certainly, this half of the season, this first half of the season, just hasn't panned out that way for them. And I think the fact that we heard on the radio in the last race him like questioning strategy and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. That was like nice to hear. It wasn't just like, okay, whatever you say, I'll follow, you know, the instructions yeah. kind of thing. But, but also from a Ferrari perspective as well, the the acknowledgement of, you know, he's an experienced driver at this point in his career. Like he knows mm. he knows what's underneath him in terms of the car and stuff. So I, a lot of teams you sort of hear him like kind of poo-poo that sometimes and they're like, no, no, just just do what we're telling you to do because we've got the strategy in front of us. We know like do this. And he's saying, guys, I can get like another 10 laps out of this comfortably. 
let's let's do that. And then, I mean, maybe that's partly Ferrari just not knowing strategy, so they're just going, okay, Carlos, let's do this. So, <laughs> like, so maybe just they didn't know what to do other than that, so they just agreed with him. I don't know. Ferrari get a lot of flack for strategy, if any, if anything, on this. Podcast, yeah, because that is the weakest part of their arsenal. And I think I think most of it's deserved. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't think we've ever been like. Is- Trash. Un- yeah, I don't think we've ever been unfair about Ferrari's strategy on here. I think like the ones no. that we've always called out have always been absolute bloody howlers. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, the, the the single car strategy that they've adopted for so long as well. Um, to, to Ferrari's credit, they've got their their drivers are sixth and seventh in the championship, and they're currently third. And yeah. that points towards them having two car strategy this season. In, yeah, they're in definitely races. doing a much better job of that this season. They're much so improved much across better. the board, really. Like they've based on where they've been the last couple of years, they have sort of well, where they start the season. Well, yeah, actually, rough start. It, you still get the impression they don't fully understand why the car is quick when Ooh. it is quick. But by their own admission, actually, earlier in the season, but um, it, generally the results seems to be going in the right direction. Um, yeah, t- to give all that numerical values. I've I've been really impressed with Signs. I think he's adapted really well. He's put in some really good performances. I think Signs is like a a seven for me. Um, yeah, so that's, 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 a, that's a fair that's a fair seven. I'd go, I'd hazard I'd I'd might might even creep to a seven point four. But <laughs> <laughs> Leclerc I love are just random. <laughs> I just want to look at Leclerc's results. Like Leclerc had six a, four six, six four, four yeah. did not start did not start fourth sixteenth in France for. Can't remember why that was. Seventh, eighth, then that second place in. Uh, mm. I mean, he was really good at Silverstone, but again, Silverstone, he was for most of the race anomaly. Just well, he was able to be on his own and just pound around and be quick, and he yeah. kept that yeah. lead until a couple laps in the end, which is when he's at his best. So, yeah, and you could yeah. you could argue that Ferrari strategy kind of let him down there a little bit as well because didn't Hamilton they could have could they, could they cover I didn't see the race not really no, was, there wasn't a no, lot they could have done was, it was it? generally a second place for just him. they were just slower I mean in terms of Ferrari failing him though that that failure at Monaco with I mean yeah fair enough he'd have taken a grid penalty if they'd have changed the parts but in hindsight you'd look at it and say take the grid penalty and and get the points but it's we talked about it at the time, yeah. didn't we? Like, I, th- I think, I think that the fact that they're as close as they are with each other, I'd, I'd go a little bit different on this, and I'd say like, I think Leclerc, given his reputation, should maybe be doing better, and Science is kind of outperforming what most people would think of him. Like, I, I expect uh, personally, I thought that he would be able to go toe to toe with Leclerc. Yeah, but yeah. I think he's, he's, over, he's outperforming what. The general consensus is. So I we, we've like literally got like an, it's Ferrari the team with the most overrated driver and the most underrated driver. <laughs> yeah. <probably the> one. <laughs> Simultaneously, um, I'd I'd give Carlos an eight and Charles a seven because Charles' performance has not exactly been bad. It's just that he's yeah he's not maybe expected he's not a little always more from him. yeah yeah. I'd like in some of the situations I'd have maybe expected those wins. I can go with that. In, in the right circumstances. I mean, you don't know what would have happened. In the right hung, situation, come, you would have hungry. expected. Why, what did I say? No, I'm just I'm referring to Chris's um, oh. chat about Leclerc being in the right situation for performance. I think that I think that sometimes applies to anyone, though. Sorry, like... Chris, look on Chris's face. It's just <laughs> oh, no, I was, I was deeply reading something, trying to make sense of the numbers. Okay. Um, There's been a lot of numbers uh, yeah. this episode. <laughs> I thought I you think... weren't writing them down. 
No, I was just reading no, was results. Of the else. Oh. I was looking at results. Oh, God. So, like, I think that the unfortunate retirement in Hungary, we don't know where he'd have been in that. Like, he he could have been well up there on pace. He had a good start. And the, DN- uh, the DNS in Monaco, like, were it not for that, again, good situation probably to be scoring a podium. Probably would have won it. Could have been a Ferrari 1-2 for the first time in Donkeys. <laughs> Feels yeah. like could have been like, donkeys. Well, there's a, there's a subsection of our audience not going to know what you talk about. There. <laughs> donkeys equals long time. <laughs> Yorkshire explained by Tom. Yeah, donkeys years. <laughs> Guys, a while since I said donkeys years. Um, um, so let's let's award yeah. points then. I can, go, I can go with you for an eight and a seven. And then for the team, probably mm, a seven as well. Seven. Yeah, I agree with all that. Sound that works. Okay. Time to, uh, it's the big two. Time for the big two. Getting to the business end. Getting to the business, yeah. God, I've been going for ages as well. Uh, (laughs) Red Bull, somehow a second in the championship on 291 points. Um, Their drivers are Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Verstappen (laughs) has, in case you didn't know that. Thanks. (laughs) Verstappen has out-qualified Perez 10 to 1. Um has outraced him 9-2 to two and has outscored him 187-104, to 104, and which is understandable because Perez is joining Max Verstappen's team. That's what you'd team expect. And Perez is in a new team. Nothing about those so stats surprises me. The ultimate difficult situation for Perez. Um, no, nothing surprising. Um, you've got, we've got a few extra additional stats here that um, Chris has kindly included for us. Um, Verstappen... Has the most wins, five to Hamilton's four. Um, he also has the most poles, five to Hamilton's three. Although it's actually four to four if you count qualifying at Silverstone rather than the sprint race. That's a very good point, Chris. Which I do. <laughs> um, I can see. And um, also has the most fastest laps, five fastest laps to Hamilton's three fastest laps. So pretty comprehensive um, routing of all the stats from Verstappen so far this season. And yet he remains second in the championship. Yeah, I think he's also mm. led more laps than anyone else by quite some margin, but hasn't been leading on the lap that counts enough times, well, I suppose. It. Yeah, that's that's the key. I mean, if you let, I, I'm going to set a rule right away <laughs> and there's going to be no talk about the the madness that went on in Silverstone. <laughs> I think that's been done to death and we yeah, don't need, I've, I've we, we can touch on it. Enough. If we need to touch on it, obviously we can touch on it, but I'm not interested in, in getting into any of the detail. On that because it's, yeah. No one's, everyone's heard it. So we don't need to go any further into it than it, than we already have been. Um, so let's start with Perez though. So difficult job for him coming into Verstappen's team. Yeah. Um, even taking that out of the equation, like, I guess the question is like, has has Perez been doing better than Albon or Gasly would have done in that position? And I, if it seemed to me like gap wise, Perez has been closer than what it, it it the times I've checked, Perez has been less than like half a second. And most of the times when I checked, when I was looking, when I was keeping track of Albon, well, trying to keep track of Albon, then it'd usually be like a, between three quarters of a second and a second. Yeah, I do think he's closer. It's not not by much. I do think he's closer. Um, yeah, he's had some poor weekends, some really poor weekends. Um, like British Im- Grand Prix being one of them. Yeah, British Grand Prix had a shocker. Um, Imola as well was a, a real nightmare. But then you know, yeah. Baku he was there to pick up the pieces after Verstappen went out, which is exactly what he's there to do. Yeah. 
um, really yeah, good would... comeback in France as well to steal the um, podium from Bottas towards the end. Um, yeah. Like, he's only actually been on the podium twice. Yeah. Mm. And given that he's in, for, for big should... chunks of the, for at least a big chunk of the season, if I was being the fastest car, he should probably have a few more podiums than that. Yeah, I think he should have a few more podiums than that. I think he's probably like a solid seven. I'd I'd have definitely expected him to be doing better than he is. I'm not saying he's doing a bad job, but I'm saying it's definitely not what I expected of him, I guess. Um, I think if you've got George Russell or um, Lando Norris in that car, then you, you're getting a lot more podiums, aren't you? Yeah, you'd have thought so. It, you'd it, thought so, it suits their style. It's also the Red Bull like, second seat, so who knows? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's true. Well, yeah, the cursed Red Bull second seat. But, I mean, you, it might it might be the Red Bull second seat, but as long as Max Verstappen's in front of you, you can still pick up a podium. Well, that's it. I mean, that, that's exactly my point, Tom, yeah. is that he yeah. should be doing... He, he should be as near as damn it to Max Verstappen. But I think yeah. there's probably a... There is probably an element of Max Verstappen getting more out that little bit more out of the car like all great drivers do and he is a great driver he for all his uh, for all of his foibles he's a great driver he they all have that thing where they can get that little bit more out of the car than what it yeah. really actually that then you know you can get that extra 2% out of it that no one else could like literally no one else on the planet could and i think that's the difference between Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen like Perez is a, yeah. a, a brilliant racing driver. There's no doubt about it. The problem is, is that Max Verstappen is a god level racing driver in comparison. So you know that's what you're up against. And <clears throat> when you're up against that step, the the gap is big. I think it's been proved. I think given that some of the drivers that Red Bull have had in that seat, you know, Gasly's having a pretty good season. He had a great season last year. Obviously, back of the grid driver of the season last year <laughs> Gasly was in that seat and got booted out of it because he wasn't doing a good enough job and there has to come a point now where Red Bull are like oh actually you know what we've just got an amazing driver and we're probably not giving him a good enough car there's not many drivers in the world that could live up to that in that seat are there ultimately no I, I think for me it's it's somewhere between the like probably slightly better than expected getting results science in an eight and like the solidly getting results even if they're not as good as we expected them to be ricardo with a six is like um perez is like a seven somewhere in between like they're not as good as they should be but they're still good enough do you know what i mean like he's it's not quite as bad of a season as what he feels like danny rick's having but it's also nowhere near as good as a season as it feels like science is having basically yeah, yeah. and again it's seven. another driver in a new team so like i feel like you can kind of it's easier in a way to compare these three drivers realistically and i think the other reason it's kind of fair in a way to compare those three is not only are they all new drivers moving to a new team they're all experienced drivers moving to a new team yeah and they've all got a teammate that's like setting a good barometer like lando's way performing max is way performing and the fact that science is with leclerc to me is why like science is the best of this this three of the three that have moved teams i guess because science is like on par with his teammate and the, the these other yeah, two totally. are, yeah. are, are the step behind i guess yeah i think that's totally fair i think seven's a uh, seven's a fair score for perez for sure um chris were you gonna put a number on this yeah seven 
Euro 7-2, cool. Um, Verstappen then. That's an interesting one. We got Norris on a 10, so where's Verstappen? Second in the championship, only a few points shy of the lead. I think Verstappen's a nine for me. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm going. There, there's still like some hot-headedness and mistakes to be had in there. And I'm I'm hoping that things that have happened in the last two races don't see him unravel from here. Yeah, I I, th- I think that the the summer break has come at like the perfect time for Max Verstappen yeah. to get away from these two, by his season standards, terrible results. Even if he did come home in the points in Hungary, they, they're two like really bad results for him. Well, but um, retirement is is a, is a terrible result by anyone's standards. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, like, just from the position that he's in, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's particularly it, to, ter- to terrible. You say, yeah, 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 yeah. and I, I'm saying, like, coming off the back of those two races, I think a break to reset and come back in Spa as strong as possible is probably the best thing for him. Yeah, um, I think so. The, see, the definitely the summer break has come at absolutely one hundred percent the right yeah, time. Yeah. For Stafford and I'm, Red Bull, I'm, they just I'm need to all the calm wrong, down. And probably the wrong time for Mercedes, mm. sort of like slightly hopping ahead in the sense that they're just starting to garner a bit of momentum and maybe reeling Red Bull in, and then suddenly everything's put on pause for three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Mercedes are a very strong team. I don't think it would affect them that much, but it's the same as anything, isn't it? Like. You, when you when you're on a roll, you don't want to stop. So. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, three three weeks really. I mean, I remember when the summer break used to be way long, seemed longer than three. Yeah, weeks. much longer, long time ago. So, three weeks. That yeah, it's not that much of a gap these days, is it? But no. um, let's put some numbers. So we've got a number for Red Bull, the team. We've got a nine for Verstappen. You we said what seven for Perez? Yeah. Um. Um. I think I'm a just just to, to give my number for Verstappen. I think. I I can't give him more than a nine because I think there's he's made he has made decisions this yeah. season that have got him where he is now. Plus, there's no, no doubt about that for me. And it also goes back to what we're saying before about expectations as well. Like I'm sure some people will like disagree that we've given Norris a ten and him only a nine, but like you expect Verstappen to be leading the championship and winning races this season based on the car he's got and the driver he is, and there's no doubt he's been like phenomenally quick but yeah i agree like i think some of his decision making has not been quite where he should be and that knocks him down a mark for me yeah i think <clears> so i <throat> think yes. that's where he's you know you start when you when you're when you first happens landon norris's lewis hamilton's you're starting with 10 points and you need to make mistakes to lose them kind of yeah in, in this situation i think and the difference is lando norris although he's behind verstappen in the championship He's in less of a car and he has not, from what I've seen, doesn't look like he's really made, put a foot, well, it doesn't look like he's put a foot wrong. No. And I don't think you could say that about either Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen. They've both made some pretty <laughs> huge mistakes <laughs> over the course of this first half of the yeah. season. So, yep. Um, so Verstappen, yeah, eight. And then Red Bull on the whole, where, you, where, you, the, where we put where we put in Red whole. Bull? Red Bull are a hard one because obviously some of the conduct at Red Bull this season's been questionable. Yeah. The, where the focus has been, the way they've gone about things has maybe not been that great, but like it's probably put them where they are now in their position in the championship as well. Yeah, but then if you look at like just the speed they've got, like their pit stops, they've probably, in terms of strategy, it's probably pretty even between them and Mercedes at this point. They've probably yeah. outdone each other an equal number of times. They're not a 10 though. 
probably not. I'm thinking a nine again for Red Bull. Yeah, I was I was trying to work out like how much of it has been Red Bull making a mess of it. Like I'm I'm, I'm basically trying to take out the whole fiasco of uh, the penalty appeals and everything out of it. And I think if I take that out of it to give myself like a clearer picture, I would yeah. probably say a nine because. Generally speaking, strategy-wise, they've been on point. I mean, I think they were on to something last time out with uh, going for the, that start and the soft tyres. I'm I'm still gutted that we ended up with the weather that we did. Yeah, I, 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 re- I just wanted to see <laughs> that because I think that they were on to something and decisions like that on the fly are why they're still a nine for me. Oh, that's not on the fly, though. That's, that's premeditated. Whatever, they, they well, were probably yeah. thinking... We want to be leading. I think they were still gunning for the fight into turn one. <laughs> they were, yeah. they were, they were dragging on the fight from thing. They're like, all right, we're gonna, we're just gonna get ahead. Of, they're they're playing the mind games. They were trying to get. They're like, we're gonna get ahead of you into turn one, and we're gonna run away with this race. That's what they yeah, wanted to happen, hundred percent. Which is racing, and that's how it works. Yeah, that's like good strategy, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, it, is, that's, it is good. It is good, but you, it, it, I just question the. The, obviously, it wasn't the optimum strategy for the fastest route to the end of the race. Yeah. So I question that strategy because how much of it is the hangover from the upset of what had happened at the previous race and just wanting to make a point by getting ahead in a battle? Are they putting that ahead of the overall race strategy and potentially costing themselves the win? And I think until you see it actually play out on track, yeah. you can't say. Because I think that both my envisaging of it and your envisaging of it are both completely tangible like they, they both yeah. make sense and yeah. i think unless we actually saw it play out we would never know for sure that was very diplomatic of you tom well it's, <laughs> it's what we like here yeah <laughs> um okay so so we've so got red bull on nine and then verstappen on a nine and it was perez on a seven seven yeah. for that Generally so it brings us to mercedes then um Hamilton first in the championship, Bottas fourth. I've uh, got Hamilton out qualifying Bottas eight to three, out racing him nine to two, and outscoring him one hundred and ninety five to one hundred and eight. Um, Bottas has completed less laps than any other driver this season, and yet he's still fourth in the championship on one hundred and eight mm. points. Um, Hamilton has completed the most laps of anyone this season. So Bottas. <sighs> Chris's favourite driver it's after after um, Sebastian Vettel <laughs> after, after both, <laughs> both after his new love I can't say it it's too funny <laughs> after both Aston Martin drivers oh um, god no one's no saying anything about both Aston Martin drivers um, Bottas 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 um, he I don't think he's been nearly as bad this season as the general um, feelings of like F1 fandom would have you believe. I think if your only input, like if the only way you saw F1 was from like social media, you'd think Bottas was like last in the championship and have crashed out every race. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not I mean, been nearely that bad. However, to, to add some, oh, I was just going to say, to add some perspective and context just quickly to that, like if you actually look at his results when he's finishing, yeah. when he finishes a race, he's generally speaking been on the podium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to so say there, there is every race, there. all the races finished as 
bar one, he's been on the podium. And that one, he was fourth. France, he was fourth. Yeah. The rest of the ones he's finished, he's been either third or second, predominantly third, only second in mm-hmm. one in Austria. Yeah. And then the others have been retirement. So, yeah, he's actually having a bit of a killer season, isn't he, by his own standards? <laughs> the problem is, it's still kind of not good enough for the seat he's in. It's so, well, I mean, it depends who you ask and what you want from him, but like he spent a few years now being a fairly distant second to Hamilton. And now, even if you take, like, you know, he retired in Imola, which was at worst half his fault, retired in Monaco. Oh, wait, I, I, sorry, I totally missed that Azerbaijan where he finished 12th. Yeah. By the way, outside of the points. But Mercedes had a shocker yeah, there. But, yeah, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. But again, he retired in. Uh, Monaco, not his fault at all. Hungary, not his fault at all. But even if you take that yeah. into account, he's gone from being a distant second in the championship to now Red Bull have made a decent sorry. car. He's a distant third in the championship. And I'm sorry to correct you again, Chris, but Hungary was entirely his fault. Sorry, Hungary was his fault, yeah. My bad. Um, um, Hungary was entirely you, his you, fault. You mean Monaco? Monaco yeah, yeah, Monaco his wasn't his fault. In the and um, Emilia Romagna wasn't his fault either. That was yeah. Russell straight up driving into it. But... yeah. Yeah, he's now a distant, well, he's a distant fourth, actually, in the championship. And he's, I don't know, again, it depends what you want from a Mercedes second driver, doesn't it? Um, but I actually am not sure he's doing either job this season. He's not fighting for the championship and he's not really playing the wingman role all that well either. Yeah, he's not He's not taking points off Verstappen, is no, he? No, he's getting a lot of third places, which is no good when Verstappen's first or Hamilton's, second. Yeah, Hamilton's yeah. sometimes struggling to take points off Verstappen's. Well, so. I think... I think the damning thing for Bottas in a lot of people's eyes is the fact that Lando Norris and a McLaren is ahead of him in the standings. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's not to like discredit Lando because obviously we've given him the rating we have. But I think that is the th- the barometer or whatever you want to call it that I've used that word twice now. <laughs> both have like been incorrect. Strong uh, word. But, but that is like the scale, I guess, that Bottas has been judged against is the fact that... Uh, what is in effect a customer team of Mercedes yeah. has a driver beating him mm-hmm. um, of the same generation as George Russell as well. That's yeah. the other thing. I yeah, think that's the thing people are thinking. Yeah, about. He's, like he's, these two drivers came in the same year into Formula. They're the same year group in Formula One, and yeah. Um, yeah, he's ahead of him in a slower. What what is what is considerably a slower car? Yeah. There's no doubt about that. That the that the McLaren is slower. It's not necessarily the fact that it's Lando Norris. It's also, the fact that it's a much slower car than the Mercedes. And and yes, he lost um, probably a second place, I think it was, in Monaco. But when he retired at Imola, he was nowhere. He was fighting Russell over 10th place at the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Like, Baku, he had no pace at all. Um, I mean, Mercedes in general had no pace in Baku. But, like, Hamilton was able to fight his way back through and Bottas just didn't. And, mm. yeah, his, mis- his mistake in Hungary was pretty shocking as we discussed last week yeah i don't know it's he's a he's a he's a tricky one old valtteri he is i think that that's <clears throat> i will you know styria and austria he he got a couple of good results there great britain decent result third place unfortunate and people going into the summer break having seen him make the biggest hash of a race start of his entire probably his, his career yeah definitely and right at the point when you know he's about to go into possibly contract negotiations or otherwise for next year um, or for his future in Formula One. So it's he's been a bit unlucky. I, I definitely think it's been the most unlucky he's been all season. I think if he doesn't have those two retirements that are really, you know, no fault of his own, or at least the Monaco one, then it's probably a bit much rosier picture for, 
for Bottas at this point in the season, but the, the way it's gone, especially the last race, which I am acutely aware I said we shouldn't take it into account. <laughs> but he's Something the reason. Like kind of have to. He is. He's the reason we can't take Hungary. Yeah, into exactly. Account. That's the thing. So I think. Yeah, I, I, I I'm going to struggle to score him highly. I, I'm down at like a five. Oh really? For Bottas. Oh. See, That's I, hurt, Chris. I think he's been better. He's putting than his that. Bottas back hat back on. <laughs> It's those. It's the thing is. It's those. It's those two retirement. Like one of those. The Emilia Romagna retirement was. He shouldn't have been in that position. He should have been doing better. Yeah. Um, Hungary. He made a hash of it. And yeah. then the twelfth in Azerbaijan again. Mis- Fair enough. Mercedes had a shocker. But like Chris just said, Bottas uh, Hamilton was able to to fight his way through. Bottas wasn't. And that's you know that people notice that when you're in a mercedes and you finish outside of the points and you're the number two driver people notice that i i personally think he's worth a seven but i feel like it's generous i would have gone six personally i think i think chris uh, chris i think your seven's generous and stew's five's (laughs) half the thing is he's he's gonna be the middle ground i'm i'm doing i'm doing the the stew thing and i'm just going in the middle what's the difference he, uh, he's I don't f- need one. Six point naught one. <laughs> he's, he's a six. <laughs> no, he's just a thousand. <laughs> I think ultimately he's a six or a seven in a cease where you really need to be an eight, a nine, or a ten. That's yeah. a very good of, analysis, Chris. That is that. That's the Bottas problem essentially. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> now we've solved the Bottas problem, the Hamilton problem. How are we going to solve that? Where are we with Hamilton? What's because he uh, he is not a ten either. No. He's I not, think uh, I think he's probably on a par with Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's hard to separate them, isn't it? They've yeah. both made as, as the standings have demonstrated well, yeah, over the season for different yeah. reasons. But I think he's probably on a par with Verstappen. Yeah. So what? Um. Why? Why are you taking points away from Hamilton, and Chris? Um. I think in general, it's just uh, kind of on pace, not performance. I don't think this has been his best season in Formula One especially compared to the last couple of years. Um, I think there's definitely been some moments where he's made some not great choices, Silverstone being one of them. Um, I mean, obviously, Baku, he he was a very, very very silly mistake to cause that, Mm. which cost him dearly, actually. It put the pressure on him, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I think think Silverstone doesn't go the way it does if Hamilton had won in Baku. No, give give him twenty five more points going into that, and they're yeah. definitely play. Then again, likewise, if Verstappen hadn't had the puncture yeah. Baku, give him twenty five more points, he probably yeah. would have played it the same way. Yeah, if they'd both finished like in a reasonable position in the it actually would have gone out, gone exactly the same way. <laughs> on, the, on the contrary, so yeah. Um, I don't know. What about you, Hamilton? Me, um, I think. Well, yeah, the Baku, the Baku mistake into turn one is is a big one. Um, and yeah, like the he, I hate to say it, but he probably part of me thinks he did the right thing for the season at Silverstone because he. I thought we weren't allowed to talk about that. I'm, we're allowed to. T- <laughs> I said we're allowed to touch on it. I said we're allowed to touch on it. I'm going to touch on it. I think that that is the tur- that could be the turning. Silverstone could be the turning point for his season. So while you know whatever your opinion is on that on that decision that he made at that point on that racetrack, it's given him the edge psychologically going into the second half of this season kind of thing, I would say. 
Um, it yeah. definitely put Red Bull that that whole thing put Red Bull on the ropes and, and yeah. made them lose their focus, and that showed in qualifying in Hungary. So, you know, whatever you think about it, I think that was maybe not the best decision he could have made for his reputation to go into that corner mm. in that position and to against that particular driver. Um, because let's not forget, he did make the same move a number of times later and it came off just fine. But if there have there have been some mistakes and he's not necessarily had the best car either this season. So it's an, it, you, they've both made mistakes and I think the, 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 the only way you can really fairly do it is to put them both on nine points for Stafford and Hamilton. I think, like Chris yeah. said, they've done it in different ways for different reasons they've made mistakes, but the mistakes have been there. They've um, sort of been... They've both been imperfectly brilliant. Like there's no denying yeah. they've both been ridiculously fast and like put on an amazing show, but far from but perfect. That's the magic of this season. That's yeah, exactly. the magic when you get two drivers at the top of the game in two different teams who've got two big groups of people behind them, you know, pushing them all the way, then this is what you get. You get fascinating things going on on racetracks. And Tom, wh- wh- where are you with Hamilton? Um, I think I'm the same. Like I think that it's far from like a perfect season or whatever same same with max like there's there's mistakes there's like imperfections in it but i mean when you look at the standings and where they are and everything like that and the performances when they are on the game they're, they're both in that that nine territory like and without a couple of the mistakes they've made they're both tens as well mm. do you know what and i mean what a, like yeah if you take things like sort of silverstone and azerbaijan out of the equation then suddenly they're both looking like tens. Yeah, because that's the that's where they've they've both. That, had that's the, mis- the probably the letdowns, isn't it? I think yeah, Silverstone was a really a, was a really big letdown. I would have much preferred to see them both going wheel to wheel. This is why I was so like, I, yeah, I, you know, I was kind of ha- I was harsh on I was much harsher actually on Verstappen than I was on Hamilton at the time. Partly because I'm more of a fan of Hamilton than <laughs> Verstappen, but part, also partly because I want I don't want like. I don't want one of the drivers to go out because they've not given each other enough room. Yeah. Because it, it, Especially it was, on lap to one. me, it was six on lap one. You want to see them racing. You want to see an actual race. You don't yeah. want to see it. Like, you don't go to a whole, you don't watch a Formula One race just to watch the first lap. You go to a Formula, you watch a Formula One race or you go to a Formula One race to see the race play out. Mm. And then when the protagonists wreck each other's races in the first in the first, like it's literally, it's like going to a boxing match and both drivers, punch, both boxers punching each other square in the face and knocking each other out. Like that's <laughs> literally the, the equivalent for me. It obviously didn't quite play out that way at Silverstone, but still, like you want to see them racing, yeah. and they yeah. both lose points for that in my eyes. Like I, I'd much rather see them going at it at track than taking each other out. Yeah, yeah. totally. And Mercedes, then where we're going to give, where we're going to put the Mercedes points. Mercedes have not brought the best car to 2021. I, I There's no think, doubt about that. As a team, I don't think they've been as good as uh, Red Bull. I'd, I'd like to put them like an eight behind Red Bull. Completely agree. Just, just on the basis yeah. that they kind of turned up, not not like half arse in it. That's that's harsh because obviously they're an, they're an incredible outfit. But like you know, in terms of the the comparison, like they knew there was going to be a threat from Red Bull. They 100% knew it. And it genuinely felt for the first quarter of the season like they were, they'd almost got a little bit big headed of well we don't need to develop as much as much as we may have done in previous seasons because we've got a car that can cope 
with it. Yeah. Like, and there was a bit of ego there, which was quickly like kind of wiped out when they realized how just how fast Max and the Red Bull was. Yeah. And well, I think they've since brought updates, which they originally claimed they were never going to do, and the bravado yeah. went and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think that's why it's an eight because there was a severe underestimation, I think, of the threat that Red Bull were going to pose them. And had they not had that like ego and sort of comfortable feeling, they'd have come in stronger and maybe wouldn't be in. I mean, it's good for us. Don't get me wrong, it's good for us. But yeah. for them as a team, yeah. it's, it's a weakness. Yeah, no, I, I think totally agree. Mercedes have gone from winning races that they had absolutely no business winning to having to really fight for every win this yeah. season. I and think I've, that's the difference. And that's why I think they're an eight as well. Yeah. And yeah. there's been races where they've been, uh, they've just been slow. They've made, they've been able to on strategy a number of times, which you aren't used to. They've made some poor strategic yep. decisions on yeah, and off. They have. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Far from perfect for them. I, I can't go any higher than an eight either. Yeah. There you have it then. We did it. it. Where do we, now what? <laughs> I thought I thought at this point it might be nice to have a quick look at the pre-season predictions we did back before the season started and see how they're going. Yes. Okay, let's do that. Who Whose predictions do you want to look at first? Who's feeling brave? Me, please. I I, I would love to know what stupidity um, I came out with. Fairly in confident in mine, I think. All right. Stu spoke first. What do Stu's? <clears throat> uh, your first one was Vettel will win a race. Ooh. Which you came quite well. <laughs> What's worse? Twice. The, the, is, would it not have been worse if you did win this and then got disqualified? Oh, though? imagine. If it may have had predicted that, it would have been hectic. I know. Um, and you also said he'll beat his teammate over the season, which. Yeah, he will. That was Stand a safe by that. one. Didn't, didn't we do these as like a wild out there one? I think we uh, tried to. A, a yeah. safe one and then just a general one. Yeah. Um, I think that's that was the topic that feels like it with yours, and I'm I think I know what mine were. I think I'm so that was... pleased with past Stu for making that prediction. That's so close. <laughs> if if only he'd he I still know. could, man. He's just look at it, looking at his results this season. You never know. So yo yo, like you'd never know. Yeah. Uh, your second one was Alonso will end the season without a podium, which is yeah, that's still, still a decent chance still on that happening. Track, yeah. Um, and your third one was Red Bull will win a race before Mercedes. Which did probably they? should no, didn't. No. Should have done, but didn't. He came oh, down yeah. to the last lap in Bahrain and Oh yeah. 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 So that's one yeah. of yours being scratch out immediately. The other two <laughs> one one's entirely possible, the other one's a, a strong a bit maybe. More dreamy. Yeah. Uh Tom, yours well, were a McLaren driver will win a race. Hasn't happened. I'm, yet. I'm feeling less optimistic about that one. If, I mean it it's that it's there on the cards if I mean, all you need is another Hungary or Azerbaijan yeah, situation exactly. and, yeah. and it could happen. But uh, yeah. Your second one, Mercedes will not renew Bottas. I mean, hopefully we'll find out about that one. Well, no, week. by next time. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and your third one is Signs will stay in touch with Leclerc, which I think so far is so mean, good on that one. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's doing he's that and that. exceeding. Yeah. Does that mean I'm wrong? <laughs> if he if he absolutely smashes Leclerc by the end of the season, <laughs> yeah. does that no, mean I'm wrong? he was I'm too wrong? good. <laughs> he was just too much better than Leclerc. <laughs> um, and then mine were, uh, Williams will get double-digit points, which is why I'm hoping Vettel doesn't get his um, second place back because <laughs> Williams currently have exactly 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> um, I said Perez will win a race before Verstappen, which obviously 
wasn't even close. No. <laughs> and then my third one was Vettel will finish third in the Drivers' Championship. Uh, if only you'd gone Lando. Vettel. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Chris, oh, Chris, Chris, Chris. And now the, now the hat purchase becomes more clear. Well, that was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll at least say my wild card one was more wild card than either of yours. So I'll... That's true, yeah. I, I cheated with my wild a little card. Too, a little too wild card, I would say. Actually, no. Vettel winning a race in... That's pretty wild uh, card. Aston Martin. That is wild, man. <laughs> I mean, like, I, McLaren's winning a race is fairly wild card. Less wild card than your then, two's, definitely. Then it, it, but... it was then. It was then. It's less so now, it feels like. But it was. that When you made the prediction, it was absolutely yeah. wild card prediction. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, if anything, yours were less wild because the racing point was a better car. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was actually. We expected speaking. a lot more from them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we uh, thoughts and expectations. We could make some more predictions for uh, for the rest of the season before I'll we just wrap stick this with one mine. up. It's easy. <laughs> stick with mine. <laughs> um, um, how, how do you see the championship playing out as a uh, just as a, as one to round off on? Do you do? Is, do you see Red Bull bringing it back and bringing Mercedes in and running away with it? Or do you think it's going to be continuing to be as close as it has been so far? And I ebbing think, and flowing for the rest of the season? I think we'll continue seeing some back and forth, to be brutally honest with you. Yeah, I can't see anyone running away with it. My gut feeling, though, is across the season, the the, the factor that's going to decide it, that's going to make the difference, is going to be the experience that Hamilton and Mercedes have of grinding out championships. And I think that's going yeah. to be the difference over Red Bull and Verstappen ultimately. Yeah. And the penalties that they're going to get for engine. Engine penalties are not going to help either. Like yeah. But yeah. then that can happen to anyone though. So, um, yeah, I, I'm the same. I think it will ebb and flow. I mean, it'll keep sort of, I think if I've said this so many times about so many races, but I think if Red Bull beat Mercedes <laughs> at Spa, I think they'll have a much better chance of winning. <laughs> I don't think they'll run away. I still don't think they'll run away with it. But this this is my prediction, actually. If Red Bull win at Spa, they will win the championship. <sighs> with Verstappen. If Verstappen wins at Spa, he will win the championship. There you go. Okay. So that... You can write so that Spa, down. Spa <laughs> is still the new Silverstone for you, then. Yeah. <laughs> I want a prediction from both of you before we round this off, and then we're going to call it a day because it's been going for ages. An additional prediction. Um, Max will win the title before the season is over, basically before the final race of the season. You're giving this title to Max as well? Before the season's finished, okay. with a race to spare. Wow. One race to spare. Two races, one race. Mm, one. So he's gonna. that's your prediction then. Max Verstappen will win the championship with a race to spare. Yeah, I mean, where, where will it be? Saudi, yeah. Max, providing the calendar plays out the way it's set at the minute. Could could be Abu Dhabi, I guess, if they do get switched. But okay, well, do, well, I mean, don't make it. To, don't don't give yourself too many factors. To <laughs> I'm just saying. I was, no, I was trying to name a race, but it's difficult yeah, to name the point. race. Yeah, is what yeah, I'm yeah, getting yeah, at. Yeah, so yeah, with a race to spare. And Chris, go on, hit us with a with your prediction for the remainder of the season. We will have another first time winner before the end of the year. Oh, that's, a, that's a, such a that's a good one to round off on. L- Lando, he's thinking Lando. Look at him. Look at his little yeah. face. Yeah, yes. I'm kind of thinking Lando. <laughs> okay, um, it'd be great to hear some of the uh, listeners' um, one-time predictions. We're always making predictions on this podcast, and we're all we're the only ones. So you should send us your predictions to what you think will happen for the rest of the season. We'll read some of them out um, in the next episode. Um, 
Yeah, especially as we've had to skip inbox this week. So we'll have a little bit yeah. of a, an inbox roundup and some extra predictions from people next week, maybe. Yep. Um, really quick one before we go. It's the Formula E finale this weekend. Um, two races in Berlin to finish the season. Um, it's well worth checking out if you're looking for something to fill that Formula One-shaped yep. hole. 18 um, of the 25 drivers on the grid can still win the championship, which is insane with two races to go. Um, that's ridiculous. The top, that's e- the, the top 11 are still within a single win of points, and seven out of the 12 teams can still win the constructors. With um, two rounds to go. Yep. Um, it's a, the, the races are in Berlin. Um, the first race is the normal Tempelhof uh, airport circuit, and the second race is the Nilreb circuit. Do you know why they call it the Nilreb circuit? Berlin backwards. Because yeah, yeah, it's backwards. Reverse circuit. Hey, that's clever. Yes. Aren't you clever, Formula E? Right. Big thank you to our team principals um, Dustin Jantos, Narayan Hamari, Alexa Jarv- Alexia Jarvis, um, Mike McNeil, and Wesley Paul. Um, that's about it from us this week. You can find us on all the socials just by searching for Back of the Grid. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, make sure you send us some of your predictions so we can read them out in the next one. And we will see you next time. So goodbye. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Literally every that was so long everyone in Discord is like bye bye <laughs> <laughs>